Mike Murphy, uh-huh. Fred Hughes, Murph and Fred, back together again on ESPN 1000. Uh, busy, busy Saturday morning, live in Chicago. How you doing, everybody? Mike Murphy, Fred Huber, 9 till noon. And as always, Fred, wait, uh, put this on the scale. Is this about 20 pounds to shove into the five-pound bag today? Or? Yeah, even more so with the Bears <laughs> game this afternoon. Instead of Sunday, they play Saturday today. God love them. Yep. Little Bears pregame here. Visit uh, later this hour. Arthur Arkush over there, Pro Football Weekly. And, uh, hey, our own J.D., Jeff Dickerson, our Bears guy. And he'll be with us in the 11 o'clock hour. Bulls talk, hot stove, Bears talk. We're busy. Uh, let's get rolling right now. If you'd like to vote at ESPN 1000, here's our 9 o'clock uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Hmm. I like this one. Yes or no. Will the Bulls be too good with Markinen and Levine back? Yes or no. Will the Bulls be too good? Yes or no. When the when the uh, gun the big guys the big guns return from their achy backs and their knee rehab, how what do you mean, Murph? Too good? Yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I, Fred? You know what I mean, right? Will they be yeah, too good? I know. Yeah. Well, compared to what other so many people wanted to do is lose every game, and Loser. Uh, they've been they've been cheering for that. They well, they'd like them to play well and lose. Well, mm. for the last five, the Bulls have played well and won. <laughs> what do you know? They win again. Nico and no. Bobby Portis yeah. had chest bumping last night, and uh, they're yes. playing well together. Nice to see. Nico and Portis uh, chest bumping, as Fred said. A uh, a high five late in the uh, game where it wasn't where either one was trying to, like, avoid it. or nope. oh, Okay. They actually gravitated towards each other with the high five. Is that the way I saw yep. it, Fred? Hey, Bobby Porter said this the whole thing's over. He goes, we're playing basketball. We're uh-huh. trying to win. That's what they're trying to do, and they're doing a pretty good job of it in the last five games. Well, the Bulls win again, as Fred said, five in a row by the score of 115 to 109 in Milwaukee on the road. Milwaukee came into the game five and 11. They're now five and 12. The Bulls came into the game seven and 20. They're now eight and 20. And the Bulls have now fallen down to uh, third place in the NBA rankings of victories, best record. Uh, so uh, the ping pong balls are not as uh, numerous as they were about a week ago, Fred. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, it's the last thing I worry about. I mean, so many uh-huh. Bulls fans want to get that number one pick. And uh-huh. you're not even assured the number one pick because right. then they get the ping pong ball. So, you know what? Go on out. Let the kids recreate. Let... Chris Dunn, figure out what he's got to do to be a point guard. Let Larry Markin in when he comes back after missing three straight games. When he comes back, let him get used to what he needs to do. And uh, you know what? Just play it out the way it goes. The last thing you're going to do is have your team going out there and lose on purpose. I know that's what a lot of Bulls fans want. Mm. That's the only way you get better. Lose on purpose. You got to tank. I'm sorry. The players are, are having a heck of a good time. Winning games now. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance that maybe Pax and Garl say, uh, "Listen, we're winning too many games. We got to move Robin Lopez. We got to do something. Uh, we can't win all these games." There's a possibility, but as long as those guys are on the court, they're trying to win games. All right, vote right now or three three two three seven seven six. Bulls fans up and awake. Watch the game last night. Will the Bulls be too good 
with Markinen and Levine when they both are back. Yes or no? Fred, I have a couple sound bites here. We're going to do something a little out of the ordinary. Carrying around in the old bag right here, a sound bite from, let's see, this is about uh, two weeks ago, give or take. And it's, it's the best in the business, our own Nick Friedel. And uh, Nick Friedel, let's see if I can pull up. Yeah, 24 days ago, November 23rd, all right? And to me, Nick's the best. We love when Nick comes on. I love listening to Nick. You learn. I do. I learn every time I listen. But Nick said exactly what the uh, storyline is. Nick said 24 days ago, when asked, uh, you know, about the, uh, let's see, he was on the Cap Show. Cap and Company. And uh, Nick's going to be talking about, you know, don't be too good now, Bulls. Not necessarily his opinion, or maybe it was, but this is what the plan mm-hmm. is. You know, stick to the plan, right? Right, right. All right. Let's eavesdrop here. Uh, Nick Friedel, mm, about uh, three weeks ago. Once Levine comes back and the, the Nico, Bobby Portis thing, you know, at some point will have to play itself out. But then what happens with a guy like Robin Lopez? Because the, the last thing you want to do if you're the Bulls is build this roster to tank, which is what they've done, mm-hmm. and then get Levine back and get done playing a little bit better in marketing. And now all of a sudden you've got a team that uh, can beat some teams. If you're going packs and you've gone this far with the tanking process, you've got to make sure that you don't outsmart yourself here. You, you get rid of a guy like Robin Lopez, if, if you can get something back, Justin Holiday, whoever it may be, just make sure that this team isn't good enough to ruin your chances of getting one of those top <laughs> two picks in the summer. Stop the tape, Nick Friedel. And, you know, you can't disagree because Nick said this was the plan. Mm-hmm. This is what they wanted. You, you don't want to get too good. Three three two three seven seven six. question number one. Do you still tank if you're the Bulls? They won five in a row. Yep. All right. They didn't play some of the best teams. They played a team last night at home that was over 500. Yeah, they struggle at home. The Bucks do. I don't know how they do okay. that. They only draw 15,000. They're a pretty damn good team. Do you still tank? Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. What does Pax do? Or, to rephrase it, Pax is in a pickle? Is Pax in a pickle? Okay. What the... So who's sleeping well last night? Well, the players had a good night's sleep after their 90-minute bus ride back from Milwaukee. And uh, I think it was uh, Will Perdue after the game on uh, NBC uh, Sports. Will said, I know one thing. One guy's going to sleep well tonight. They go, yeah. Who is that? Yeah. How about Freddie Hoiberg? He's going to be sleeping. But John Paxson. Now think about this. Fred, do you think John Paxson last night sleeping well with the five-game winning streak? Or is he saying, I'm in a pickle now. How can you back up the truck and trade Lopez and trade uh, Nico? How can you trade Portis? All these are the names that were being bantied around, right? Right, right. And Lopez, he dominates almost every game they're playing. I don't know if there's not as many big centers anymore. I guess there aren't. But There aren't, yeah. There yeah. aren't regular centers. There's... Four power forwards who play center and things right. like that. So yeah, and and you hear Stacy King throughout the game, almost every game, is stealing, is stealing candy from a baby. Yep. Feed it. How come they're not feeding it to Lopez? So last night, let's see when did I have this? At one point in the game, Lopez 
Uh, he had four straight uh, uh, baskets and a free throw. He had, you know, nine straight points. You can't stop him out there. So, everyone, are you still behind the tank? Mm-hmm. Time to tank. Got it. When would you not be behind a tank might be a better question. What if they won? I used to have the what if belt. Right. You know, what if they win 10 in a row? Oh, Murph, they're not going to win 10. Hey, last week, what if you said they're going to win five in a row? You'd be laughed out of town. Sure. In fact, let's revisit, Fred. One week ago today, last uh, Friday, eight days ago, mm-hmm. Chicago had a record of 0-20. Yep. We talked about this. Yes, At we this did. exact moment a week ago. The Bulls and uh, the Chicago teams entered last Friday 0-20. We had the Bulls were 0-10. The Blackhawks were 0-5. And the Bears were 0-5. Yep, they had lost five straight. 0-20. Right. Now, if we can do this math in our heads, Fred, right now the Bulls have won five straight. Uh-huh. The Hawks have won four straight. Yep. The Bears have won one straight, which is pretty good for them. So right now, from an 0-20 streak overnight to a 10-0 streak. Yes, they are. Unprecedented. I'm not lost. Unprecedented. I'm not lost since the previous Thursday night. (laughs) So last night's game, interesting that the two combatants in the uh, famous uh, dust-up were the leading scorers. Let's see if we got our box scores here, Fred. We got uh, uh, Bobby Portis off the bench with 27, and uh, Nico Miritich off the bench with 22. 49. Yeah, Nico started with 22. I'm sorry. Of course, you're right. 49 points from those two guys. And uh, now, chest thumping, Fred. I saw the high five you were talking about. It's an amazing turnaround in one week, but no one's turned around yet, I guess, on the tank job. Now, speaking of Nick, love Nick Friedel. We're not going back 24 days this time. No, no. Let's go back to Tuesday, uh, 11.13 in the morning. Miss a little, miss a lot. Nick Friedel on with uh, Cap and Company. And uh, let's hear what Nick was saying this week on uh, Tuesday after the, uh, what, that would have been the th- uh, three-game winning streak in effect. Right. And uh, here's Nick. This team and this goes to Garm Pax, this team has to uh, be stripped away of some of its talent if it does continue to win because you built it to lose, so you've got to make sure at the front office that it does lose, and that has to be your number one goal. Now, nowhere there does Nick say, you know, that's how I would do it. Right. That's how I feel. But he's saying exactly what you're thinking at home and exactly why Pax probably didn't have a very good night's sleep last night. We built this to fail. All of a sudden now, we're starting to win five in a row. Vote right now or give us a call, 332-3776. Our uh, Twitter poll for this half hour. <laughs> I love this. Will the Bulls be too good when Markinen and Levine come back? You know, people had to realize uh, when you tank, you tank and you're going to get one player. Okay? You need players to go around them. And if Markinen and Levine, and who knows if Portis continues to be developing, can become a player, a player they drafted a couple of years ago, you need more than one player in the NBA. We know that you need at least three. So you've got to have some of these guys perform well. And um, 
I don't know. I, I, I've I've always hated the tanking thing. You get what you get, and then you develop a team out of it. I, I just, you know, I, I know you hate the draft. You hate the drafts in all sports. And, um, you know, it leads to this, trying to be the as bad as you can possibly be. And it's frustrating to me. I like to see the Bulls win each and every night I watch the game. This is a perfect example, as you point out, Fred, of where tanking is... I used to use the word un-American. Yeah. That might have political overtones these days. So, I, you know, you're rewarded for losing is what the draft is. It's patently illegal. Uh, if anyone ever went after any of these leagues, with an, and I'm not an antitrust uh, expert, but there's no way it's legal to allow these drafts. And here's another idea. If, if the leagues aren't going to succumb to uh, what I would like to see, which is in the NFL, 32 ping pong balls at the end of the season they pop up maybe the maybe the best team drafts first maybe the worst team drafts last if you want you might eliminate the playoff teams and just throw in the ping pong balls and all the different sports but to be rewarded for losing and to plan your whole next three four seasons around losing to me sure you're gaming the system if you do it it's legal that's what they're allowing you to do yes they are that may be terrible that may be what they're encouraging you to do, the leagues. But the day will come, I don't know when, we won't go on down that path again. But someday they're going to realize, how can you have a legitimate, authentic, competitive league with integrity when you reward teams for losing? Now you're in the pickle. Mm-hmm. I hope the Bulls win the next 10 games in a row. Again, last week you'd have laughed at me if... Anybody would have said they're going to win their next five in a row. Yep. So I'm just trying to exemplify the idea. What would happen if the Bulls go on a real tear? Heater, as the, as the word is. What if they just couldn't? Everything goes right. Every, and then the two guys come back. Will the Bulls be too good with Markin and, and Levine back? Yes or no? And they, and they win in three out of four. They win two out of three. They win five out of their next nine. And they just keep winning and winning. Are you telling me then Pac's going to say, well, you know what? We're trading Portis. And we're, we're, we're trading Nico. And we're trading Lopez. Are you kidding me? How could they do that? I say they can't. Can I tell you something? Uh, people compare them and they say the Philadelphia 76ers, okay? Mm-hmm. Philadelphia 76ers, they had a big game, a triple overtime game with Oklahoma City last night, and uh, they lost. But they've been under 500 for one, two, three, four, five years in a row. They're exactly 500 now at 14 and 14, okay? Their number of wins in those years, uh-huh. 34, 19, 18, 10, 28. There's no way, as a Bulls fan, you should want to wait as long as it takes to tank in the NBA. Because when you tank, you get one player. Okay? One player. And then you hope you can go on out and get a free agent. Um, In my opinion, it's ridiculous. It's silly. I'm the only one out there. I'm out there on an island. But I want to see him win each and every game, develop with Levine, develop with um, Markinen, see what Bobby Portis can end up giving you. I love watching David Nawaba play. You want to move uh, Robin Lopez? Fine. That's not a guarantee that you're going to lose games. That's not a guarantee. Not with the guys that are out there busting their tail trying to play well. Now, when Lopez leaves the game, let's see, what did he have last night minutes? He had about 20... 29. 29 minutes. I should go back or should have, I guess, observed this during the game. 
They don't have a backup center. Or well, they, they, or have, they did. They have Felicio, but Priest, he's been yeah. playing miserable. Well, he's been DNP coach's decision for about five games in a row. Yeah. So what do they do when, when Lopez is out? They just put in, they got Portis and Nico. Big Sean. You know how that works? We don't have a, we don't play uh, Cristo. So when, when Lopez leaves the game, how do they usually align? They don't have a true, they don't, what do they play? Two power forwards or they slide someone over? Have, have you noticed how that works? So when Rolo leaves the game, they go small ball. Maybe Zipser will come in and he'll go to the four spot. Matchups and with then the Bobby other will play the five. Because most other teams don't have the big bad center anymore. No one so. has that guy anymore. But we do. Well, New Orleans has one guy. So you know what? Sean went uh, EO11 with the day off today. Big, big bad Sean in today. So, Sean, Fred, if no one else or other couple teams have the, the big five, don't you have a little bit of an advantage? And, and all you hear is Stacey, feed them, feed them. Yeah. Taking candy from a baby. It, it seems like a nice little advantage to have Lopez, no? Sure it is. And he's a professional. He goes out there and busts his tail. Yesterday in uh, 29 minutes, 18 points, 8 rebounds. Um yeah, real, real nice stuff. <laughs> Would have been nice. And he was 0 for 2 from the free throw line. Both teams were miserable from uh, the free throw line last night. Murph and Fred till noon. Plenty of baseball. Going to do about an hour of hot stove. Uh, Cubs and Sox talk at 10 o'clock. We have Bears football. It's sort of a Bears pregame. Bears at 3.30. We have two great Bears guests stick around. In a few minutes, we're going to visit with Arthur Arkish. Over there at Pro Football Weekly, top of 11 o'clock, Jeff Dickerson previewing Bears and Lions at 9.30. So, Fred, I'm going to tie together this topic of the Bulls with your uh, Chicago White Sox. Mm -hmm. Now, the Bulls, the plan to tank. And we heard Nick talk about it. We all know it's nothing new. It's been the story of the Bulls. Let's lose, let's lose, let's tank. And again, long shot, you could say. Maybe not. Who knows? Just, but sometimes, guys, they, all of a sudden the team pulls together. Remember when Mike Ditka, we became a team today yep. many years ago. Yep. Uh, that was a famous time when the, the Bears uh, were still sort of new under Ditka. They won a big game. I don't remember all the details, but in the press conference afterwards, he said, we became a team today, and he was right. Who's to say that that dust-up? But between uh, Portis and Nico, now has sort of come 180 yep. and done something where it's pulling the team together. And they're feeling now, and there's so much momentum in sports. All of a sudden, if you're on a team and you walk out, there, hey, we're going to win today. And it makes a big difference. They're walking like this other team's going to kill us today. It's huge. All of a sudden now, what happens? The Bulls start feeling good about themselves. They start winning some games here. Do you change in the middle, John Paxson, and saying, hey, you know what? We're not sticking to the plan anymore. The fans, can you imagine if all of a sudden the Bulls are competitive and they back up the truck and start unloading these guys like Portis and Nico and Lopez? That's what they want to do. Yeah. Do you change course? Now, this brings us to the White Sox talk, great White Sox baseball talk this week. And Fred, I heard your thoughts, but some of the people haven't. But the uh, much talked about rumors, I guess, is the only word until something happens. But fitting the pieces together, the White Sox and a Manny Machado. Right. Now, uh, in my opinion, 
as a Cub fan looking in, you got to stick to the plan. Now, if you veer off the course and go after Machado, are you, are you breaking the plan? Are you not sticking to the program? And put that in the same basket as the Bulls doing the same thing. Should they consider, you know, busting up the plan? And, hey, let's see what we can do this year. Fred, uh, what were your thoughts? I heard them, but some of the fans just catch up with us on Saturday. Sox fan Fred. The uh, only way I go after Manny Machado is if I have some guarantee that he's going to sign here the following year. You can't risk bringing him over, losing a couple players, and then having him go somewhere else. I, I know people have said, I've read people say, well, you know, if you have him and he goes somewhere else, you'll get a higher draft pick compensation. Well, that's likely not going to be as good as the players you give up to get him. So if the Orioles are not going to let you talk to a Manny Machado, people say, well, you'll have a better chance of signing him if he's there. Well, everyone's going to sign. Anybody that signs him is going to sign him for the same amount of money. It's all going to be the same. Machado money, um, Bryce Harper money, all those guys, because they're young, 25, 26 years old, and they're going to get huge, huge deals. Uh, so the only way I bring Machado over is if, in fact, I, I get some kind of guarantee he's going to sign with the team. And if he can't give that, then I don't need him. Sign and trade. In other words, you have 72-hour 72 72-hour 72 window. Uh, that's what MLB allows. You talk to his agent. He says, all right, what's the deal? We're going to give him, you know, 30 million times 10 years. Right. Okay, then we'll agree to a trade. You go back to Baltimore and try to work something out, and then you work something out, and then you have him. But... Without that, you're trading for him for this one year. season. You're trading with him for one year. Now, what'd you think of the thoughts, Fred, of people saying, well, that wouldn't be half bad because, uh, by July 31st, then, if you felt that he wasn't falling in love with your team and things were looking good and he goes, no, no, you know, I'm pretty much going to be leaving at the end of the year or he doesn't even tell you that and you just feel it. They go, well, hey, well, hold on. You're still going to be able to move him for something. Maybe very valuable on July thirty first. Yeah, I don't. I disagree but, with that. Right. Uh, you're not going to get a lot because everybody out there knows he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. You, so it, it, that's there's you know trying, and he would not be a guy you would bring in and want to flip. That's not. That wouldn't be the the op. That well, wouldn't be what you do. The only idea was, and it was posed. That makes a little bit of sense. Maybe he'll fall in love with Chicago in the four months. See that there's things developing here, and then you work out a deal. The odds of that would be probably we don't know. You don't know. Twenty percent, twenty five percent. Who knows? But what was wrong were people. Uh, were people well, then you flip them. Yeah. On July thirty first, and some. I don't even. I heard people say you might even get more. Back for him, yeah, the no, White no. Sox on July thirty first. They gave up for him. Yeah, no, that won't happen. You know what you're going to get for him? You're going to get about one third of what you would have got because the season's two thirds over. Yeah, and you know he's you're not going to get what it is. You're going to get one third of a Giolito type guy. Right. Yeah, you don't need that. No. Plus, you would have given up already too much. So if he's not going, that's the problem I have. I mean, if they do it. <laughs> You know, I, give them Tim Anderson and Giolito. I wouldn't have a problem as long as you don't move Kopech. Stick to the plan. Yeah. The plan still continues. It doesn't matter if you right. get them or not. Because the White Sox are deep in pitching in the minor leagues. Now, you never know when you get minor leaguers how many of them are going to work out. I've said over and over and over again, the Cubs got lucky. Every one of their, <laughs> minor, every one of their guys worked out. From Baez, who was already here, to Bryant, to Schwarber, to Russell. Uh, every single guy worked out. That doesn't happen in baseball usually. Except You're for, lucky if half of them work out. <laughs> except for Ian Stewart. 
Right. Yeah, when uh, Theo came yeah, in. Yeah, but and, I mean uh, all the all their other picks. Look at the numbers. All their their draft picks and everything. They you oh, draft them, they come up and oh, they the, work out. The first round picks work yeah, out. They all work out, yeah. and they, usually that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, just ask the Astros when they drafted Mark Appel. Now, granted, they they took Correa one year as number one pick. That worked out really well. But your draft picks don't always work out. For the Cubs, they all worked out. Only the first rounders, though. Yeah. Well, that's that's usually all that it, all that works for a little while anyway. Mm-hmm. It usually takes a little while for your second and third and fourth rounders to get back to the big leagues. Yeah, they never will. Yeah. <laughs> you think one of the uh, 160 uh, picks, 40 rounds in the first four years would have, have filtered up? But you'd think so. You'd think so. Yeah. So Paxson, will he stick to the plan or not? And it appears that uh, on the south side, will Rick Hahn stick to the plan? He has to. Unless he gets, Again, a, sign, unless he gets a sign and trade first. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know that they're going to get any assurances. The Orioles mm-hmm. said they're not going to give anybody the opportunity to talk beforehand. So um, in that case, you know, stick with what you got. You got Tim Anderson for a long-term deal. He's your shortstop. Yeah. You're looking for a third baseman. You, if you want to wait till the till next year's over and then try to sign Manny Machado, that's fine. Uh, White Sox fans would love that. And uh, we'll talk baseball throughout ten o'clock hour. As a Cub fan, and I see Jesse Rogers is uh, on this uh, heavy again today at uh, ESPNChicago.com. Jesse Rogers breaking it down. We'll do the same thing with you as to why wouldn't the Cubs be the team that would say to the Orioles, we'll take Manny, sight unseen, no trade, sign and trade necessary. We'll trade right now, and we want Manny Machado for just the one year. Jesse raises a great argument. How would Cub fans like to see Manny for one year in a trade, you put Addison Russell their way, and you have to put another pitcher in there, a young pitcher, and all of a sudden you got Machado at shortstop for one year, and then you worry about 2019 and 2019. We'll cover that. Hey, let's bring in Big Bad Sean. Let's get the results here. What the fans have to say on our Twitter poll, Mr. Davis, and uh, will the Bulls be too good? Too good, that is, with Markinen and Levine uh, coming back. Yes, sir. Now, Fred, you want to take a, a guess here what the fans say? Um, <laughs> the fans are going to say yes, that they're going to be too good. You don't think anyone's excited over this five-game winning streak to just maybe keep things intact and see what happens? I agree. I don't think they are excited at all. Or they're losing sleep like Johnny Pax. Yeah. So you got about 90. I'm going to put it about 75-25. Yes, they'll be too good. Oh, we can't win all these games. Sean, did you want to vote or uh, uh, are you being influenced by seeing the results? <laughs> no, I'm going to go along with the results myself. Okay, lay it out. 36% of the voters say no. The Bulls won't be too good when Levine and Markin come back. 64% say yes. Okay. They will be too good. Yes. When they return. Uh- We'll be too good. We'll be winning games and we'll be losing our ping pong balls. I love it. Hey, let's catch up on a few things. When we return, get back on the Bears beat. Fred, there was one goofy play. The Bears' final play of the game last week. You're the only one that worries about this play. Oh, have you seen it? I mean, you reviewed it in your head. I know you've seen it. I didn't Uh mean that. Okay, all right. We'll talk about okay. that. Okay. Final play. And Arthur Arkus will join us. Of the Bears, uh, the Bears' final play from scrimmage in last week's game. They're only up 33-7. to And, of course, uh, John Fox and the uh, OC 
had to do it. They, they did something like that, remember, with Trubisky back in uh, exhibition game two. They brought him back in late in the game mm-hmm. when someone else was injured. Back in a flash, it's Murph and Fred. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Beautiful day. Hope you're out and about enjoying yourself. As Harry Carey would say, Chamber of Commerce weather. Because that was usually the summertime, but you know what? If this was our worst day of the year in the winter in Chicago, everybody would move here and there'd be too many people. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be 40 today, and yeah. uh, the next couple days going to be pretty nice. And uh, heck, uh, I know some people would like to see snow for Christmas. We'll see if that's going to come or not. One minute away from Arthur Arkish talking bears from Pro Football Weekly. All right, vote right now for our uh, 930 Twitter poll. Vote at ESPN 1000. Bears showed improvement last week because A or B. A, the Bengals were hurt and the Bengals were bad. Or B, they improved because they're improving. Okay. (laughs) Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Hey, let's go up up north there to Pro Football Weekly. Let's say hello and introduce and bring in one of uh, of the guys we love to visit with. He always has a few minutes for Murph and Fred. Good morning, Arthur Arkush. Murph and Fred, what's happening, guys? Thanks hey, for having me. Hey, Arthur, it's uh, weird having a Bears play on a Saturday. Uh, we, the, <laughs> the entire nation gets to see the Bears and the Lions today. I'm sure that they're all interested in that one. <laughs> Yeah, that, you know, that's one way of looking at it. And the other way of looking at it, I guess, is get it out of the way so we don't have to have it on our NFL Sunday. No, I, I'm kidding, guys. There's there's plenty of intrigue. Uh, uh, the Bears do have a, a little bit of momentum, if you will, and uh, the Lions are still playing for something. So I'm anxious to watch them this afternoon and particularly interested to watch the nightcap where the AFC West should be decided in Kansas City. Yep, that hey, should be a good one. Hey, Arthur, let's tie in a quick uh, discussion now with our topic uh, of the first half hour, Chicago Bulls. Well, they're they're built to tank. That's the game plan. Built to tank. And now they've won five in a row. And John Paxson probably not having a good... Can you believe a general manager not having a good night's sleep when your team's gone five in a row, five and oh, and Paxson's probably last night, Johnny Pax tossing and turning. Oh, no. What if we keep winning? Now, let me turn that into a Bears topic with you. Let's say the Bears, you know, just just for talking points, let's say the Bears run the table here, and uh, all of a sudden, they have uh, Ryan Pace say, oh, no, we keep winning, we keep winning. Now I can't do what I wanted to do, you know, parentheses, you know, make changes at the top with the head coach and that. Is there any chance that the plan uh, could change if the beloved Bears run the table? I don't think so. I mean, maybe we can't rule it out completely because that would get them to seven and nine. Although I would uh, argue it's more like six and a half and nine and a half because any Browns win that, uh, uh, excuse me, any win over the Browns Mm -hmm. this season isn't really uh, measured (laughs) equally with the rest. But uh, no, I think it's going to be too little, too late. He'd still be uh, Fox. That is what sixteen and thirty-two over three years and. Uh, that's obviously not close to what uh, uh, was promised here or what, what the, the guys vowed to get done three seasons ago and the struggles within the division, the inability to close the gap there. Although I guess you got the Lions today and then the finale against Minnesota, um, so you could make some ground in the division. Either way, I, I still think it's going to be a little bit too little, too late, and Pace is going to go out and try and get his 
uh, his guy to get the most out of Trubisky and try and get the most out of this franchise. You know, the one thing that uh, concerns me a little bit is uh, Vic Fangio. Uh, his deal is up at the end of the year. It's not a whole thing about letting him go. It's like maybe probably trying to keep a guy like that because I think what Fangio's done with the defense, especially when it's been healthy, has been pretty good in some of the young players like an Eddie Jackson and things like that. And even Kyle Fuller's bounce back. What do you think about Fangio? And you think if they do bring someone else in, there's a chance they can keep Fangio as a, as a defensive guy. I don't think so um, because I, I think it's uh, promote Fangio or bust, if you will. And, and we had a report at Pro Football Weekly last month that uh, part of the reason that Ryan Pace wasn't going to be firing John Fox in season is because he didn't want Vic Fangio uh, on an interim basis because I believe Pace has already made up his mind about Fangio's uh, future head coaching candidacy and it's not going to be in Chicago. So uh, it's troubling to me, to be honest, because I agree with everything you just said. The defense has been uh, a pleasant surprise for, for the better part of the past two seasons, and, and Vic gets a ton of credit for that. And I like a lot of what Ryan Pace has done, but I, I, I sort of think that an unwillingness to – to give Vic a shot is uh, is a little bit curious, and, and I do think it would be concerning if he gets away. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. They better have you know that next head coach better have a short list of really excellent coordinators. Uh, the irony of this whole thing is, of course, that's what John Fox arrived in Chicago with as much of a strength, uh, as much of a reputation for doing as anything is building those staffs up. Want to invite everybody to vote right now at ESPN 1000-332-3776 if you want to jump in. 312-332-3776. ESPN. Our Twitter poll this half hour. Uh, Arthur, if you were able to eavesdrop a moment ago, Bears showed improvement last week because A, because the Bengals were hurt and they're bad, or the Bears showed improvement last week because they are improving. I didn't put C, a little of both, which is probably... Which is too easy. Which is too easy. How do you think the fans are going to vote? And you're welcome to vote right now uh, live on the radio if you want. Arthur, <laughs> my my suspicion, guys, is that the fans are sort of uh, disenchanted enough at this point that they'll probably side with A. Uh, mm-hmm. I do definitely think there's some of the latter in in there too, and I'd throw C in, and that the coaching staff has improved too, and and, and showed an ability to to get mm-hmm. Tariq Cohen on the edges after he had kind of been uh, forgotten about. And uh, you know, I mean, there's no question Kyle Fuller's improving. I mean, you could say whatever you want about that defense and it being without Vontez Perfect and all these other guys after that bloodbath the previous Sunday night. Uh, but AJ Green was bad, and, and Kyle Fuller and the Bears secondary, you know, deserves credit for that. And Andy Dalton was awful, and the Bears defense deserves credit for that too. So, uh, yes, they are improving. Yes, that it should be expected for such a young club. Uh, but again, no, I, I don't think it's going to be enough uh, to save jobs here in a couple weeks. Uh, unfortunately, for for certain people. Arthur, you just mentioned uh, maybe you know the coaching staff can improve. Uh, maybe they are improving. Did they wait too long to? I don't know what the phrase is. Take the handcuffs off the offense. Did they wait too long to? You know, I believe I heard or saw Cohen was in motion maybe for the first time or second time all year. Uh, did they wait too long, or was it finally time that these guys, the the rookie class, you know, finally? No, understand the nuances. Have learned the uh, playbook uh, uh, to a greater extent, or or do you think hey they could have done this two or three weeks ago, or was it just because Cincinnati was the right time to take the the handcuffs off? No, I think they definitely waited too long. And there, there's a caveat here, guys. If we're going to say that uh, there, there's so much newness with this roster and these guys are so inexperienced 
then there should be a certain amount of uh, sort of, you know, will of uh, kind of wiggle room worked in for the coaching staff to try and figure things out too. Now, that being said, it's been apparent since day one here that there was an absolute lack of playmakers on this offense. So it was going to be up to Dowell Loggins, to John Fox. Uh, I mean, gosh, we talked about this on, on the radio show in August as far sure. back as July, uh, that everything needed to run through the running backs and the tight ends. And, and how we haven't seen that consistently uh, is beyond me. And, and, yes, I do believe that is on the coaching staff. Um, so, you know, it's good to see. I mean, there's no doubt Trubisky has in the, 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 the best of his two-week stretch in the NFL these past couple of weeks. That's very encouraging. Um, but, yeah, there's no excuse for not finding ways to get Adam Shaheen the ball, even with a, a special Shaheen package, which I know was a big joke at Hallis Hall last week, that term being thrown out around a lot. Um, but we didn't even see that until recently. And, and, yes, that falls on the coaches. Well, yeah, the one thing about Shaheen, and I may be wrong, but he had four catches, I think three of them on one drive. So uh, he, he had a nice he had a nice game, but basically he had a nice two drives. I mean, and right. he, he got hurt on one of them. So he has been playing more because they weren't in so much, so many two minutes. But the, the one thing I got to say uh, – it takes a little while for tight ends to learn that position, especially when you come from Ashland College um, sure. and you don't come from a you know a big time football you know factory as a lot of the colleges are. And if you put a guy out there that can't do certain things, that's when, in my opinion, the coach you lose you know the coaches lose the players because the players are out there trying to bust their tail to win. And if you put a guy out there that can't figure things out and can't run the right plays, and because of that the Bears don't win or the Bears lose or bad things happen, I, I don't know. I, I think that they waited just about long enough. I understand what you're saying about certain packages for Adam Shaheen, but uh, you know maybe you know he, it's just taken him this long to start to figure things out. Yeah, that's certainly possible, likely even, coming from Ashland, as you said. But let's be realistic here. In the year 2017 in the NFL, how many two-way tight ends are truly left? You know, there, there may be right. two or three of them. There's Gronk. It's a short list. So uh, my counter to that is forget about the blocking. There, there's still scenarios where you could have him in the, pay, uh, in, in the playbook, particularly down in the red zone where we've already shown, you know, dominant flashes or seen dominant flashes from him. And then maybe that gets back to, like you said, all that comes on one or two drives, and you have to be selective with these things. So uh, it's just one example. I know those are the two popular ones in Chicken and Tariq Cohn, but we could just as easily talk about the scheme and its lack of imagination, not the personnel in it, but uh, the fact that Mitch Trubisky hasn't been on the move enough as, as, as much as he should be. He hasn't been uh, getting in the comfort zone early with these quick passes like we saw last week. So. Uh, I think it stretches beyond just those two rookies that Bears fans have kind of been pining to see more from. And, uh, you know, again, this is going to be a, a process for everyone, and uh, it just hasn't gone as seamlessly or, I guess, as uh, as painlessly as most would expect. And speaking of Adam uh, Shaheen, uh, Arthur Arcus, you're not a doctor, but you're going to play one on the radio right now. Uh, he's <laughs> on the uh, injury report this morning, questionable chest. Is that is that the injury? I mean, when he got well, he suffered it. He suffered it when he scored the touchdown. He actually okay. came down, and you saw him. He was holding his. Yeah. I, at first, I thought it was an arm, and maybe it could be. And he was holding his arm, and he was high fiving guys with one hand That's after right. the touchdown. What, what, right. Can you add anything? I mean, uh, how bad is it, or have you heard anything, Arthur? I know they clamped down. I, I got to be honest. I, I wasn't up at Hallis this week. I'm sure. not entirely sure, but I do yeah. believe that he got limited practices in each day. And if that's the case, mm. uh, I think he should be on track to go. 
Uh, does that mean he's going to play a season high in snaps and everyone's going to get to see him on every uh, on every series? No, obviously it wouldn't. Uh, but I think it's normally a pretty good indicator if they're at least able to get out there and kind of work up a lather and, and get into the game plan a little bit uh, that you can expect to see him. That was actually a bit of a surprise this week, although I wasn't yes. up at Hallett. Yeah. Uh, just to see no Bears off the injury, or excuse me, no Bears as non-participants altogether mm-hmm. on the injury report all week. Maybe that's because all of them are already on injured reserve, but it kind of <laughs> uh, strike me as a bit of a change this late in the season. Hey, uh, Arthur Arkush, uh, now you've been following football since Pappy was, uh, uh, you're on Pappy's knee. but uh, <laughs> So you know a lot about this game. A guy with bad hands, can he ever improve? You know, there's a lot. I hope you're talking about a cornerback here. Well, actually, I was talking about uh, Jordan Howard, but you Okay. But you can. But you <laughs> I'm can talking argue, about Kyle Fuller, yeah. And, and even the number 20. Yeah, uh, Abu Kamara. But I, I was centering in first on uh, Jordan Howard. You know, you can improve technique, you know, practice, practice. You can improve footwork, practice, practice. Jordan Howard dropped another pass right in the hands. Uh, first the, play of the game. First quarter. Yeah. I was say, yeah, first play. Yeah, first offensive play. Since you've been on Pappy's knee, what, what are your thoughts about a guy with bad hands can improve? Uh, you know, you throw him uh, uh, off the gun, you know, the jug's gun, 100 passes a day after practice. Do they ever get better? I, I think they can. Yeah, it's funny because if we were talking about Kyle Fuller, um, no, that's why he's a defensive back because they know that he doesn't have good he hands. Can't so catch, I'm, yeah. I'm kidding. Up, no. I'm totally joking. That's the old no, that's uh, cliche that I obviously heard and we've all heard a million times. If they can't catch, that's why they play defense. But I think they can improve. A good example, actually, is just up north a couple hours in Jordy Nelson. Earlier in his career, in, in the biggest game of his career, that Super Bowl in Dallas, uh, he had several drops and. Uh, and it took time for sure. I mean, he didn't just, he wasn't a plug and play star coming right into the NFL. The second round, he had to wait behind some other guys and there were some growing pains and he did develop. Uh, and of course, he gets a big assist from Aaron Rodgers, but did develop into one of the game's premier players. So yep. that's one example I, I would point to. Um, now at running back, maybe it's a little trickier only because Jordan Howard already has so much on his plate. Remember, we were, we were hearing in the offseason that that was the big focus. He was going to become this complete back, this three down feature guy in year two. And, uh, it, it, it's been a little bumpy in the passing game in particular, but, um, he's so young and there's still so much time left. I would not write him off as a potential guy that can, uh, that can do as much damage in the passing game as he does on early downs in between the tackles. Uh, let's wait and see. We know how hard he works, too, and, and all the, the things that he's accomplished in a short amount of time. So I, I would like to think that he's going to manage to get that done as well. Arthur, what's happening over at Pro Football uh, Weekly? Uh, well, like you guys mentioned, we got some Saturday action today, so we'll be keyed in first on the Bears and then, of course, Chargers and Chiefs and uh, all kinds of good stuff up. We had a bunch of good way we hear it. There's an Andrew Luck piece from my colleague Eric at home up about the uh, the Colts issues with Andrew Luck, communication issues, and uh, a great story from Greg Gabriel up right now, too, about the late Giants owner, Wellington Mara. So head over to uh, ProFootballWeekly.com. We've got podcasts and uh, features, all that good stuff as well. And uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in, and we hope everyone enjoys Week 15 in the NFL. Cool. Hey, Arthur, once a week I try to have a quick little segment. Uh, hey, I've got an idea. And I come up with an idea, and most of the time it's ridiculous and laughable, and sometimes they're okay. So uh, uh, later in the show, my idea was going to be this, Fred, uh, Arthur. New uh, penalty rule in the NFL as far as the uh, uh, distance on the penalty. Any time from now on a flag is thrown on the punt returning team and the kick returning team, it's going to be double the penalty. In other words, if... 
Any, you know, all you, every time there's a punt return, a kick return, half the time. Back in the back. Half the yeah. time there's a flag. Hold. There's a flag. And it drives me nuts. So you know what I was thinking? Now, maybe this is crazy. But uh, what would you think about inst- any time the returning team, right? Any time mm-hmm. the returning team is flagged, like Fred said, holding or block, uh, blocking block in, in the back. Instead of what, 15? It's 30. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but the game is so unexciting when you know that half the time they're coming back. I don't know how else you would stop it, or maybe the league doesn't even want returns anymore because of potential injury, Arthur. Yeah, I think that could potentially be coming in the in the future, the removal of kickoff return altogether. Murph, I do like your idea. I guess my only uh, alternative uh, alternative suggestion to it would be maybe let's just take the official flags away altogether because, man, <laughs> if it hasn't been injuries ruining the game this year, it's been the awful officiating and the inconsistent uh, sort of judgment that's going on out there. So you're on to something. We need to figure it out. Uh, maybe that's the solution. Hey, I know Roger Goodell is uh, all ears. He's really open to these sorts of suggestions. Oh, he sure he is. And Marcus <laughs> Peters, he wanted to get rid of the flags, too. He threw them up in the stands. That's right. That's yeah, right. And that yeah. was fun to watch, right? Yeah, it well, was. Here, put, put the phone right up tight against your ear. Here's a sound bite from the Bears game. Punt to uh, Cohen last week. Let, let's listen. Devin Huber to punt. Tariq Cohen is back deep. Bears had a rush on, just missed. Cohen, fair catch. At the eight-yard line, there's a flag on the play. During the kick, holding, return team, number 31, half the distance from the end of the kick. Marcus Cooper. Yeah, his whole season can be defined by him stopping short of the end zone. Yeah, there's not a game goes by where he doesn't make at least one bonehead play. He's, it's a fair catch. Oh, I know you can't look around your head on a swivel. Okay, it's a fair catch. He's not, but let's say he popped that one. Let's say he popped that one for 92 yards. It'd be called back. It's unbelievable, fellas. It's brutal. They've got work to do to, to be sure. And, uh, yeah, as uh, Fred said, Marcus Cooper has got to get uh, some positive highlights going late yes. in his Bears uh, debut season because it hasn't been pretty. Yeah, there's a good chance it'll be his only Bears season. Receiving team, <laughs> receiving team number 31. Oh, if I hear that again. Arthur, thanks a million. Have a great day. I know you're busy. Thanks for your time on a, a Bears uh, preview here with uh, Murph and Fred on ESPN 1000, buddy. Thanks, Arthur. Always my pleasure, guys. Have a great weekend. Take See care. you later. Thank you. I know we're up against the clock. Big Sean, let's catch up on a few things. It's your last chance to vote right now. We have a lot of baseball in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. we got to get to that final play you're talking about. That's right. Bears showed improvement last week because, A, Bengals were hurt and they were bad, or, B, because the Bears are improving. That's why they showed improvement. Vote at ESPN 1000. Busy day. Glad you're with us. We'll do a little baseball. We'll do a lot of baseball next hour. That's that's good with me. Lots, tons of baseball going on. <laughs> Signings all over the place. The Giants made a trade yeah. with uh, Texas. The uh, Angels are locking up their... What's going on with all these Scott Boris, uh, you know, clients? Uh, Moustaka is still waiting. Arietta is still waiting. Maybe they're not going to get the money they want. So plenty to talk about. And are the Cubs going to be better than they were last year uh the same as they were last year or uh not as good as they were last hey that's the 10 o'clock poll question there you go hey let's bring in filling in doing a great job for eo 11 today 
We got uh, it's it's Sean, big bad Sean. What were the results of our nine thirty Twitter poll, my friend? Thirty eight percent say that the Bears showed improvement last week because they are improving. Sixty two percent say. They're showing the improvement because the Bengals were hurt and bad. And see, I got a problem with that because so many people have said that all week long. The Bears were without two-thirds of their defensive line. They were Leonard Floyd's been out now. They're playing Chris Prasinski for the second week in a row after he was sitting on the couch watching the game. Nobody <laughs> talks about that. Nobody feels bad for the Bears all season long. But when the Bengals have five starters out, oh, you know, the only reason the Bears win is because they got No. You put them on the field, what did they, what did they say, next man up? Well, the Bears' next man up did a better job than the Bengals' next man up. Well, fans are just conditioned to the Bears uh, from the early part of the season and, well, first eight, nine, ten games. Now, the t- it's just like the Bulls. You're starting to see things change. How quickly, how well will they, will they improve? Who knows? But it's nice to at least have a game where they look good. I, you know what? You're right, Fred. Who cares? Other, hey, the Bears have been beat up most of the season, too. So what? Listen, for decades, it was uh, Mike Ditka having to stand up there and say, listen, we're in the NFC Central. It's not our fault that the Buccaneers, the Packers, <laughs> the Lions, and the Vikings all suck. Mm-hmm. The Bears used to sweep. Their, they'd go 8-0 in their division because they were no good. There's nothing you can do. You play who's on the schedule when it's on the schedule. That's what the Bears have had to do. Murph and Fred going to catch up on a few things back on the baseball beat. Hey, you can start voting now at ESPN 1000. The Cubs uh, today are worse than they were last year, about the same as they were last year, better than last year. We'll cover both sides of town and more when we return. Stick around, Murph and Fred, on ESPN 1000. Uno, dos. One, two, three, cuatro. Hey, we barely need a hot stove today. Beautiful day. It'll be 40 out. Yeah. yeah. Turn the stove off and we can still talk a little baseball. Welcome back, everybody. Mike Murphy, Cub fan here from Lions Township High School, LaGrange. Fred Hubner, White Sox fan from good old Martin East in Cicero. 3323776. If we generate any uh, comments on your end, baseball talk, jump right in. 3323776. And vote right now, the Murph and Fred Fan Focus Group Twitter poll for 10 o'clock. Vote now. The Cubs today are worse than they were last year, about the same as they were last year, better than they were last year. And, uh, Fred, even if they do have one more, as they keep saying, well, everyone, there's a free agent pitcher out there somewhere. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if that even makes them better the same or maybe remain uh, worse. Well, they still don't have a different uh, leadoff man. So well, That too. Yeah, no different leadoff man. So that's a, that's a biggie right now yeah, for them. So Let's talk about leadoff men. First things first. The TV though. show, The Leadoff Man, that was always great. <laughs> Vince and Lou. DeRocher in the dugout brought to you oh, by man. G. Heilman Brewing Company. Yes. La Crosse, Wisconsin. That what? was always good stuff. What? It's mm-hmm. still out there old style, huh? Yep. 
Sure is. Mm-hmm. Sure God's, is. God's country was the promotion. It remember? really is God's country. Yeah. Yeah, up there in, uh, in Wisconsin. Where the Mississippi, the Black, and the Bad Axe River. Oh, meet, yeah? Meet to form God's country. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, now Fred's going to Google up the Black River and the Bad Axe River to make sure I'm right. I just know nowadays people just go north of the border to buy new Glarus beer because you can't buy it here. You really? Gotta, yeah, you got to go up north of the border. Like the old Coors Wisconsin, yep. Wouldn't go east of the Mississippi? Uh-huh. All right. Yep. Oh, quick little sidebar, Miss Little Miss a lot. Got to listen full-time, 24-7 to ESPN 1000. Tom Waddle was uh, reading the story here. It was non-sports, one of their fun segments, and then commenting on it. And it brought me back to when I was at Carbondale, SIU, down there. Uh-huh. Every year we drive, uh, put about 10 guys in a beat-up old car, and we drive to Louisville. Okay. And, you know, check out the Kentucky Derby. Yep. Uh which was more an excuse to go drinking, you know. Sure. And literally... Something you couldn't do at Southern. Well, yeah. <laughs> literally, <laughs> I swear to goodness, one year, I don't think I even saw a horse. What happens is you... You're in the infield? You enter the yeah. infield from way outside of the, uh, of the track, and you go like a tunnel. And it goes like underneath everything, including the race... Yeah. Track itself, yeah. the dirt track. And then you're, you're coughed, belched back up, if you will, into the middle. And there's about 50,000 crazy people, and you're in the middle. And then all of a sudden, you just, you know, you make camp. And then uh, you hope you have enough uh, uh, liquid supplies. Sure. And then finally, the game ends. The game I'm the sorry, races the races end, all yeah. end. And you go b- to get to the fence inside to watch the horse psh, go by in a blur. It wasn't worth the effort uh-huh. to get there. But we didn't have any money. So every year, we get to Louisville, as okay. they pronounce it down there. And uh, one of our uh, smart uh, guys said, hey, there's a place we can go give blood. I go, what? Before you drank or after you drank? Well, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they didn't want your blood after you drank. Well, we, we did do it before we got, got there. You're right. So we would go. And you'd give blood. And they would pay you cash money. 35 bucks. That's it. That was huge back well, then. Well, the beers were like, well, beers fifty. Well, the beers were probably like 50 cents at most there taverns, you go. but they probably had them marked up. Yeah, uh, up to maybe 250. I doubt it. No, not even that high. Not back then. Okay. No, you're talking to an old timer here. Uh-huh. So, 35 bucks cash. <laughs> All right. We're, we're cooking now, right? So, did you hear Wads, Waddle the other day? Doing one of his, what's one of I his, worked with him one day. I'm not sure if that was the day or one not. One of their great segments. With, uh, and this was, well, here, here, let, let's listen. Cheyenne Johnson, a former Lane Community College student, said, quote, you just walk in and walk out with money. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Twice a week, she visits a plasma donation center in Eugene, Oregon, exchanging plasma for cash in excess of 25 to $150 per week. She visits the facility on a regular basis because the job environment in the area is weak. Twenty-five bucks, twenty-five to one hundred fifty. All right, now, not bad at all. Now, this was a long time ago. We got the thirty-five, right? So it can't be just twenty-five. Well, depending on your style of blood or your maybe your oh. the, the quality of blood or yeah, like rare blood. Yeah, and if you have rare, maybe it goes up to one thirty. Listen, you, you, <laughs> or if you're the ultimate donor blood, and then you just you know maybe it's not as maybe it's not as valuable. I don't know, but you're right. I'm, now that I re- recall, yes, we had to get the blood uh, drawn in the morning. Yeah, down before in Louisville. you started yeah. drinking. Yeah, I don't even know if they knew back then how to probably take a blood uh, alcohol test. 
Oh, no. No, they didn't back then. I'm sure they didn't. Even if they had breathalyzer, I don't think these little uh, blood bank things even bothered, you know. Well, think about it. If you walked a straight line when you walked in, probably, oh, you're good enough. Years ago in the 70s, it it was, you know, you get pulled over and you've had one or two too many and it was just... You know, the officer would just say, well, just be careful, son. <laughs> yeah, that's not the case yeah. now, which is to... which is much better now. Well, we'll follow First you First, you got to un- unbuckle your seatbelt so you can get your license out of your pocket. We'll follow you home, make sure you get home okay. That's what, say, that's what they would say. Yeah. Yeah, well, not anymore. We're not advocating. Which is, which, uh, no, advocating. no, which is much better. Just, I mean. Uh, just telling a little story, put another log on the fire. Yeah, we, we, who says you can't change? I've got rules. You can change. <laughs> you can definitely change. I hear some baseball music in the background. Cool. All right, uh, Fred, you got. I know you got your White Sox notebook handy. Let me kick off here with uh, some quick thoughts on the Cubs. Yeah, the White Sox have done all, a lot of nothing. So three, they three, got two. Wellington can steal last week, and that's about it. Stay by the plan. Uh-huh. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. Area code three, one, two. So earlier this week, Joe Madden at the winter meetings held a little uh, powwow. Jesse and all the great reporters gathered around, and you've heard the soundbite all week. Even some of the not-so-great reporters were there. Won't uh, tear up uh, valuable radio time here, but you heard Joe Madden. He was doing one of his little rambling things, and sort of someone asked him, hey, you don't have a leadoff hitter, and you just mentioned that, Fred. And to paraphrase, Joe said, well, you know... uh, Mix and match, anything can happen. Uh, oh, no, no, we haven't even ruled out uh, uh, Kyle Schwarber. I couldn't believe he said that. Well, I immediately texted Jesse. Uh-huh. I said, Jesse, is the uh, is the press conference, the impromptu press conference, isn't in the cocktail lounge, is it? <laughs> no, 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 Murph, it's too early in the day for that. You know, right. Meaning, uh, why would Joe Madden say that? Are they serious? He's got no other options right now. I mean, right now, I mean, I know Jesse has talked about Almora against lefties and maybe Zobrist against righties. But other than that, they don't have any other options unless they're going to go with Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo again. What's wrong with these guys? It was an abject failure last year. And now they're going to try to spin it and say... Oh, well, you know, uh, it would have, and he did, not even spinning. Joe then later said, oh, well, it would have happened uh, to Kyle anyway, or, you know, he was in a slump. A slump's going to happen any time in any slot in the now, batting order. Now, now gra- granted, it could have. He could have been that bad no matter where he hit. Of course. But we don't know that. Right. Because he, he hit in the leadoff spot. They're out of their blank in mind, in my opinion. I'm not second-guessing. I'm first-guessing. Fred, you can verify, hopefully, as early as last February yeah. when they were first uh, positioning that they're going to lead off short. I said, this is insane. Yeah, crazy move. I said, two reasons. There's no one on base when you lead off. This guy's a power hitter. And number two, you put a guy in a different slot in the order, and he may look at it different from a mental point of view. Yeah. All right? Technically, they shouldn't. It should just be a guy going to the plate. It should right. be, even though it's a, a you know a team sport, nine on nine, every single pitch is to an individual. So you got pitcher against hitter. It's a one-on-one game but every for the guy, most part. Right. And as you say, yeah. every guy's different. Yeah. You don't know. Now, What's interesting, and I wish I'd have clipped it, but I had it, and we read it word for word about three weeks ago, in a buried-away little interview somewhere. Can't even remember where I saw it, but I know it was either the Tribune or the Sun-Times. So it's out there. Jed Hoyer, I don't remember who he was sitting down with, Mark Gonzalez from the Sun-Times. Oh, he talked to a bunch of guys. And he was he out said, talking with several okay, of them, great. yeah. 
And Jed Hoyer said, to paraphrase, he said, we learned something last year. He never said Schwarber by name. We learned something last year that certain guys react differently, you know, mentally, to where if you move them into a different slot in the batting order. He said that, and he was certainly, in my opinion, talking about Schwarber. Uh-huh. Now, they're going to bring him back there again. They're kicking around. They're throwing up the trial balloon or more than that. They're just trying to, like, get it over with now so there's not a lot of chatter. Right. These guys rarely... And I'm talking about the Cubs front office, Joe Med. They rarely do anything off off the script without having kicked it around first. But maybe it was Maverick Joe just sort of, you know, throwing that out there, trying to entertain everybody. Oh, well, we're not even ruling out Schwarber. Fine. Or what scares me, it was orchestrated. Hey, listen, let's let's get it so if they want to complain or talk about it, get it out of the way now instead of spring training. So, me... I think it would be a disaster. Do they have a leadoff man? No. They always say, well, you know what, whatever, we'll find. Here's what I do. The center fielder is your leadoff man. I don't care who it is. It's Almora, and he started hitting righties the last two months. Yes, so he did. I don't want to hear them saying, or people saying, well, he can't hit righties. It might have been a short sample, a little blip. He was hitting righties at the end. They have to replace John Jay. They need a guy like this Jared Dyson. People don't know much about him. He's been a, a sort of fourth outfielder recently, but he was a starting center fielder. John Dewan, uh, standoftheweek.com, I don't know if you saw that, Fred, a week ago. Top defensive uh, runs saved okay. players that are free agents. By a mile, number one was Dyson, the center fielder. He's a left-handed hitter. He doesn't have the end base like uh, John Jay, but... He could. Be, they're going to get someone to replace John Jay. So they're going to have a platoon in center, maybe, lefty-righty. Here's what I want. I want Schwarber batting number six every game that he plays. Uh-huh. You know, 150 starts if he stays healthy, whatever. And he gets to the ballpark, doesn't even look at the, see if I'm in the, in the lineup or not, but they always tell you the day before. Tell you the day before. Anyway, Joe So you get a good night's sleep or you can go out and get drunk. But he doesn't have to ever look. I'm batting six. I'm batting six. Uh-huh. I'm batting six. Because you know who's batting eight, don't you? Hayward. So you separate Should. the two lefties. Hayward bats eight. And then the righty, and that would be uh, a Baez in there somehow, or maybe Russell, whatever. But, maybe he's still here. And I'd love to, correct, and I'd love to find a way somehow, probably never happened, me, to have Bryant back to three, Rizzo back to four, Contreras back to five, and then Schwarber back to six, and then uh, you have to bet then it appears either Russell or uh, uh, Baez number two, which might not be optimum, but... Oh, the other thing for the Cubs I'd like to quick throw out? They'll, he'll, he'll stay with his Bryant two and Rizzo three. I know what you'd like. I know. But he's not going to do it. He may, he should. He did it later in the season. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, because if he doesn't have a number one, he probably figures he doesn't have a two either. But the two would be. Well, how are you Zobrist. supposed to win if you don't even have a one or, a, you know? The two would be Zobrist, I think. Well, here's a good point. And here's the next thing. And, Here, I, and that, by the way, that stat of the week, it was Jared Dyson with 15 defensive runs saved. Yeah. Uh, last year. And who's behind? There's a, a free agent available, free agent. Number Mitch two. Moreland was second. Todd yeah. Frazier, third. And wasn't Moreland like plus eight their game? Uh, ten. Right. Okay. So 15, huge, 10. Yeah, Carlos yeah. Santana had eight and yeah. Frazier had eight. So he's a huge go get him guy. Anyway, you bring up Zobris. I'm glad you did. I've been thinking about Zobris. At his age now, you know what I'd like to see uh, Joe Madden do? Zobris is going to start, now work with me on this, three games a, a week. All right? Okay. On the average. You know, there'll be two, there'll be four, but three games a week. 
One game a week at second base. Another game every week at second base. But when he's at second base the first time, Baez gets a day off. Russell at short. Right. The next time he's at second base that week, Russell gets a day off and Baez, Baez goes to short. Gotcha. And the third day that he plays is in left field, giving Schwarber one day off a week, probably against a tough lefty, okay. you know, because the switch hitter's overs. I bat him number, and I, I try to find that two hole. I still want to go with center field one, second base type guy, uh-huh. number two, or Russell or Baez. And then I Brian Rizzo. Schwarber, six. Right. Three, four, five, six. You go Bryant, righty, Rizzo, lefty, Contreras, righty, and then you got Schwarber, lefty. That's just me. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. Final thought on Schwarber, Fred. Uh-huh. Then I want to get to your notebook, okay? Miss a little, miss a lot. Earlier this week, Cap and Company, a, a, a great, great get, as, as they say in radio. Great guest. Schwarbs comes on, and uh, Cap with some great, great thoughts about the, you know, do you want a bad leadoff? How mm-hmm. do you feel? Joe, you know, had just said, well, we're not ruling out Schwarber leadoff. I never thought I'd hear that again. But let's hear how Cap positions it perfectly. And, and listen closely. There's a lot going on here. It's only about 30 seconds. And Schwarber, and you tell me, 332377, you tell me if you feel, and it's hard to read body language. It's hard. Even harder over the phone. It's hard to read language (laughs) language. Sure. All right. Do you think Schwarber is saying, I would love to bat lead off? Is Schwarber saying, well, you know, I'll do what's ever good for the team? Or is he really saying, I don't want to bat lead off, but I'll do what's ever good for the team? Let's eavesdrop. Let's go back a few days ago. Joe Madden has lunch and meets with the Chicago writers yesterday, and they ask about this trade and that deal, and then they said, you guys don't have a leadoff hitter. He said, don't discount the fact that I might put Schwarber right back at the top of the lineup again, and I think he can handle it. When you hear that, here's a two-parter for you. One, do you like it? And B, many say, not people on the Cubs, but in uninformed, the fan, the media, they say, he struggled because he was not comfortable as a leadoff hitter. How do you answer those things? Uh, you know, first off, I, I'm up for, you know, whatever the manager's going to write me down. In. And, uh, you know, like I said, I want to help this team win in any way possible. And if that's in the leadoff in the nine hole. Uh, I'm down for whatever. You know, it, 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 you know, the, you throw your, you know, whatever it is aside, you know, you throw your ego aside and you just want to do whatever this team uh, does. And, you know, that's why I pride myself on. And, uh, you know, second, you know, people want to, you know, put some blame on something. You know, all the blame comes on me for last year. You know, uh, just the, the, uh, you know, the, the whatever it is, you know, the numbers. Uh, it, it was, there was no precursor to anything else. It, it, that's on me. I'm the player. Uh, I was the one who's in the box. So, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't see a problem with it. I'm sure that, you know, Skip's going to sit down and talk to me about it. And I'm sure, uh, you know, we'll uh, have some discussions about it. But, uh, you know, whatever the team's up for, I'm in for it. All right, let's go inside Kyle Schwarber's head, which is dangerous because mm-hmm. you never know what someone's saying. or what the, to Nope, me, to we're not friend, sure of anything. 
To me, he doesn't want to do it. I just read between the lines. I have nothing to base it on. I haven't talked to Kyle over a couple uh, seven-ups and say, hey, what's your real thoughts off the record? You know, I don't think he wants to do it. I think he wants to. And I'll just finish with this, Fred, and then I uh, want want your uh, candid thoughts. But a guy like Schwarber, he's a power hitter. I want him in the guts. I want him in the power slot where he can drive the ball. Now, he's lost 20 pounds. I've talked to some experts, and I've said... I mean, real baseball hitting inside professional guys that work in the game. I said, is there a chance he's going to lose power losing 20, 20 pounds? They could, there's a chance, but the other way could go also. He might improve bat speed, the sure. swing, sure. a touch, you know, instead of uh, whatever bat speeds are these days, you know, 80 miles an hour, and then he may go up to 82 because he's more flexible. He's got less girth there in the middle to slow the uh, bat, getting it through the zone, as yeah. they say. But he, he might end up with more power. Fred, how did you evaluate what Schwarbs was saying? He, he hems and haws a lot, and that's just the way he is. Uh, slowly but surely, he'll get more comfortable, I think, with the media. I I listen to that, and I just think that he doesn't care. That's just me. I think he doesn't care where he hits. He knows that whatever, wherever he hits, if he hits, if he does the job the way he's supposed to do it, he'll be successful. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he really matters. He doesn't care what his RBI total is. He just wants to go out there, do the job, get on base, hit the ball out of the park, and uh, do what he's supposed to do. I believe that he has a conflict mentally when he's leading off. Am I supposed to drive the ball or make sure if it's a half an inch outside, I take it to get on. They're big on on base. We know all that. To me, I don't like it. But what you say is probably true. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what he's thinking. Yeah, and see, the one thing, too, is there were times when Dexter Fowler let off and swung at the first pitch or the second pitch. And yeah, they always said back in the day, and this is just a couple of years ago, um, your leadoff guy is supposed to give your second guy and third guy and fourth guy in the order a chance to see how the guy's throwing. What's he got? Has he got his fastball today? What's he going to throw? How's his slider? Yeah. And when your leadoff guy goes up there and swings to the first pitch, you know, you don't see that. But if your leadoff guy is Kyle Schwarber and he swings to the first pitch and they're picking it up off the streets, then that's fine because then you've got a one nothing lead. So the game has changed a lot. They're swinging, you know, they're swinging for the fences a lot more. There's a lot more homers, walks, strikeouts, things like that. But uh, the leadoff man have changed. There's been the Carlos Santana, who just got a deal with the Phillies yesterday. He let off quite a bit for um, yeah. for Cleveland. Yes, he and does. he's not your prototypical uh, leadoff guy. But you know what? He didn't slump. No. And, and let the record show, I'm not old school where, hey, you got to have speed and uh, steal bases. D. Speed. Gordon would look good. I'm sorry. D. Gordon would look good. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Cubs had no minor leaguers to trade. They're, Talk about thinking out of the barren. box. Cubs are barren in the farm system. They couldn't even make an approach for Ozuna. They couldn't make an approach for Gordon. But talk about thinking out of the box. The the Mariners say, listen, we want D. Gordon. And they say, hey, listen, D, we've got Robinson Cano at, short, at second. Yeah. So we want you to play center. And then we're going to get Ken Griffey Jr. to work with you and teach mm-hmm. you center field. He's out there now practicing. Right now, he's out there practicing. Maybe not at this hour because he's probably in Arizona. It's 820, but probably a good time to practice in Arizona. Time, yeah, right? <laughs> But he's out there practicing with Ken Griffey Jr. trying to get better. Mariners made an outside-the-box, really good move. Some people had said, you know, when, and people said, well, maybe the Cubs should go after D. Gordon. They said, well, the Cubs already have too many second basemen. Yeah, so did the Mariners. But they said, listen, we're going to put you in, we're going to lead you off and have you play center field for us. 
That was heads up thinking by Jerry Depoto and the Mariners. It's also very unusual for the Cubs brass to not all be in lockstep with uh, Jed Hoyer again a couple of weeks ago saying, as I uh, now reiterate, well, you know what? We learned something about uh, some of our guys. We learned that uh, maybe when you move them around in a batting order, it does maybe affect their approach mentally. It doesn't sound to me like Theo and Joe got that memo or vice versa that uh, Jed Hoyer got that memo. And they even Cap right here. Let's replay the first couple of seconds. Cap will point out how, well, let's listen to Cap. He never mentions what Hoyer said because I don't think it got a lot of coverage. I bet they said to Hoyer, hey, don't be saying that anymore. Joe Madden has lunch and meets with the Chicago writers yesterday, and they ask about this trade and that deal. And then they said, you guys don't have a leadoff hitter. He said, don't discount the fact that I might put Schwarber right back at the top of the lineup again, and I think he can handle it. When you hear that, here's a two-parter for you. One, do you like it? And B, many say, not people on the Cubs, but in uninformed, the fan, the media, they say, he struggled because he was not comfortable as a leadoff hitter. How do you answer those? Yeah, he didn't a, really answer that we a, part. We had a double negative in there, too. Well, I, lo- I love Cap because it was <laughs> it was one and B instead of, why don't you go A and two? Oh, yeah, he did, right? <laughs> yeah. He went one and B, which was, which was funny. That was, uh, I think Cap needs funny. a seventh job. Attorney. <laughs> Yeah. That was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As great as Cap is, he might have missed his calling. There's my attorney. Hey, come on. <laughs> if I had Cap and Joe the Duke Crispino representing me, I'd be set, man. Kyle, one, <laughs> do you like it? And B, <laughs> what? Hold it. Kyle's going, isn't it supposed to be two? Last chance to vote right now. We'll get to the White Sox with Fred in a moment. Cubs Cubs today, the question is, are they uh, worse than uh, last year, about the same as last year, better than last year? Well, I'll tell you this. You can match up what they've done. So far, they've replaced uh, uh, Wade Davis with Brandon Morrow. They've replaced uh, O'Hara. With Sushek, uh, right? The righty reliever, two free agents. Or Rondon uh, with him. And Rondon was hurt a lot and didn't help him yeah. as much. But you're right. Uh, they replaced the lefty, Dunsing, with uh, Dario Alvarez. Uh, so right now, even if everything works out, they still have to replace Arietta, which would still make them just about equal as last year if they can get an Arietta. You know, two or a three. So, well, so, you, so Chatwood replaced uh, Lackey. Uh, Chatwood, uh, oh, yeah, okay. I'm saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Or area, Chatwood, one of the two, uh, right. Chatwood replaced uh, uh, Lackey, of course. Uh-huh. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. So they still haven't replaced Arietta. Uh, the one thing, the one advantage they have is C-Shack has, been, has saved before. He had 34 saves one year, 39 another. He's a nice player. He's more of an eighth inning guy, but you're right. But he can't do it. Mean, yeah. He can't do it. He's done it before, so you won't hear, well, you can't go to Steve Cichek because yeah. he's never closed before. He has closed before. Right. So that's a good thing. Plus, you're, plus you got to be sure you get the right guy. Is it Cichek or Nishek? No, Nishek's another guy. This is Cichek. Yeah, he's good, too. Yeah. They're, they both come side sidearm, don't, don't they? I'm not sure. Oh, this guy is. This guy does. Yeah, I thought Nishek was set aside, but this guy's almost under. I guess you have to this if guy's you have a last under. name like that. And I'll know. leave your Cub fans with this. Uh, this was a quote from Theo Epstein uh, a couple of days ago on uh, December 14th. Uh, I was talking about, you always hear about the uh, World Series hangover, right? 
And I've often said they only had four starting pitchers out of spring training. Uh-huh. And that, that blew out the bullpen early. It wasn't just, be, it was because of the construction of the 25 man roster. Listen to what Theo had the uh, audacity to say the other day. Uh, you're talking about Mike Montgomery a little bit. He wants to start. Listen, Theo says, quote, uh, this from the uh, 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 Tribune. You need eight to ten starters, meaning in spring training. Right. Eight. I've said that forever. You know how many Cubs starting pitchers they had last year in spring training? Four. Four. And then they say it was a hangover. Well, yeah, there was a hangover because you didn't have any, enough pitching. Well, come on. Well, you're forgetting about Aunt Brett Anderson and Eddie Butler yeah. and all those guys. That's what I said. <laughs> so, yeah, you're forgetting about him for a good reason. So now Theo says you need eight to ten. Yeah. Well, right now you got a few more to pick up. Murph and Fred, White Sox beat. Hey, Bears pregame, 3.30 today. No, we got... They're great. J.D. Jeff Dickerson joins us in a few minutes also. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're at the 50-yard line, halfway home on a busy Saturday. Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. Slide a quick caller in and go over to some White Sox talk with Fred. And uh, let's first bring in executive producer, Big Bad Sean Davis. Sean, what were the results there of our 10 a.m. Twitter poll? The Cubs today are right now worse than last year, about the same as last year, or better than last year. We have 32, no, I'm sorry, 23% said they're worse than last year. And then you have 29 saying they're better than last year. 48% say they're about the same as of today. It's hard to imagine that those are the... Uh, no, I mean, I believe you, Sean. <laughs> I think most people would say about the same. I, I kind of agree with that. Um, they haven't replaced area. I know. I know. Okay. But they, they, <laughs> but, but they figure that, that they're not going to be, you know, offensively they'll be better. Um, mm. They figure mm. they'll eventually get another pitcher, okay. but but your question was right today and right now. They you're right. They don't have that other pitcher. How many said worse than last year again? Big bad Sean. Twenty three percent. Okay, say worse than last year. All right, well, good. Lots of work to do, and soon it'll be better well, than last year. It's December sixteenth. You don't have to. You don't have to get to camp for two months. Thank you, big bad two Sean. Two full months. <laughs> <laughs> Big Sean. Big Bad Sean. Got his own song going. Yeah, that was, is this EO 11? I can top that. I got to have my Big Bad Sean. Hey, let's talk. Oh, White Sox baseball. They say, no, no, you got to go to Mike in Plainfield first. Hey, Mike, Murph, and Fred, jump in. Go. Hey, Mike, what's up? Well, it was a big buildup. Put him on hold. <laughs> Well, he's call gone again. after all that time. All right, call again, Mike. All right, more time for Sox uh, talk with Fred. Fred, uh, I guess there's not a lot going on. The Machado Manny Machado thing. is still a member of the Baltimore Orioles. Could I ask you a question yep. on this? Now, as a lifelong Chicago sports fan, you and me, but all the stuff I've seen, especially when the Tribune ran the Cubs and they'd throw out so much propaganda and double talk and malarkey and, mm-hmm. you know, risk aversion. And how do we, you know, what do we tell the fans? I, I really am a uh, cynical skeptic. No. Yeah. Let me just ask you something. Don't throw anything at me. Okay. Brooks Boyer, don't throw anything at me. Rick Hahn, Kenny, Jerry, 
Is there any chance the White Sox, because teams have done this before, yep. plant a story? Let me tell you about Andy McPhail. He'd plant stories in the uh, in the winter meetings all the time. Okay. And they would make uh, they'd bid on this pitcher. They'd bid on that pitcher. They were never the winning bid. Mm-hmm. They never intended to be the winning bid. They wanted to get the Cub fans fired up, maybe buy some tickets in the winter. Sure. And never could I prove this. I often believe that had Andy McPhail and the Cubs back then, F-A-I-L, had he actually been the high bidder, he said, wait, what? Oh, yeah, you got him. You got uh-huh. him. Wait a he goes, oh, on second thought, we were looking it over. We got to pull the offer back. Okay. And I'm not saying this, but it happens. It's not, like, unusual. Do you think there's any chance the White Sox, when this thing got wrong, well, yeah, well, you know, we're in it. We're in it. Do you think they were ever really in it and really made the offer in good faith that they wouldn't have maybe pulled back the Giolito offer at the last second? That's I don't all. think they made. I don't think they ever made an offer. I think they talked. I don't know that an offer was ever made. That's what everybody, all the right, everyone said the offer was there, and well, then they it was, said it was the best offer on the table, and then speculated that it was Giolito after the uh, Kopech uh, originally was in the mix, and that was eliminated. and then it came out that it wasn't Giolito either. It came out that it was neither of those two. So what was it? It was it, it was probably you know um, you want you want a, a you know a double A pitcher yeah uh, another couple of double A pitchers right. and we'll give you uh, Tim Anderson whatever because so because you don't won't need him if you're going to bring over a guy to play shortstop okay uh, yeah I don't I don't know uh, I I hate rumors because you don't you never know if there's any truth to them or not or if it's just uh, you know people making stuff up and maybe it was. Um, you know, Manny Machado's people maybe made the, stuff up. Maybe the agent yeah, did it. Yeah. Maybe the Orioles did it. Yeah. So, I mean, Rick Hahn was never going to tell ne- us. It was never nothing, most yeah. likely, right? Probably not. Okay. Yeah. And like you said, though, if the Orioles say, okay, we'll do it, <laughs> you will, great, boom. Yeah. Unlike Andy, who would have said, oh, never mind that. On second thought, we're going to pull that monetary the, offer. The, the, thing with the, the thing with that is, and I can't remember if it's Baseball America. I think it is. Baseball mm-hmm. America every year where they do their look at each team. They also have the future projected lineups for 2018 and 2019 and sure. 2020 and uh-huh. 2021. And for the last two years, they've listed Manny Machado as the Sox third baseman for 2019. Well, the Sox can bid on him this offseason if he doesn't uh, sign and uh, oh, yeah. trade and sign. I would think they do. I would think they would. Yeah. I mean, the Orioles yeah. and the Orioles could re-sign him, but the Orioles did something stupid last year and gave a ton of money to Chris Davis. I mean, yeah. a ton of money to Chris Davis, and which is probably a silly move. And there's nothing wrong with, uh, I mean, uh, let me rephrase it. It's very common for teams to stoke the hot stove and you know, say, oh, yeah, we're in this, we're in this, yeah. when deep down they know we're not in this at all. It, it was, it, you know, Rick Hahn was bored. He had nothing else to do. Why not? Yeah, so they had to get involved in something. Hey, uh, oh, Mike from Plainfield, hang on, buddy. I see you back real quick. Like the Bulls. All of a sudden now, after years and years and years of uh, sellouts, mm-hmm. uh, we noticed about three, four weeks ago they were no longer selling out. And Monday, earlier this week, I don't know if you saw it, at halftime on uh, uh, NBC, the old Comcast, halftime of the Monday Bulls game, they had a uh, like a two, three-minute promotion. Okay. Advertising, a marketing promotion, which is very unique. They had just put it together. Very slick. Where they were like walking around the... Uh, Concourse, showing all the places for the food and the beverages, the you know right. amenities underneath, and they had a big, 
Wednesdays, the rest of the season, starting in two days. This was Monday this week. In all Wednesdays, and it was pretty interesting, $5 hot dogs, $5 beers, $5 pizza slices, right. and uh, foam fingers, half price, $10, not $20. And uh, sure enough, and so I looked at all the paid attendance, uh, they had drawn about a thousand under capacity at the Sunday game. The Monday night game I was watching turned out to be seventeen hundred or so under capacity, mm-hmm. and that they knew it was coming. See, they know they're no. Well, sales. see, they've been ever they've been advertising for ticket sales on the radios. Oh, okay, for a while, yeah. And because they know that they don't have the the people, all the games aren't sold out before it starts. Okay, so they know that they have Fine. tickets available. So they have been running commercials. They also have times where. You know, uh, one of the beer companies are like half price at the, for the first, you know, until until kickoff or tip off and stuff like well, that. Well, the so. plan was to tank. So they obviously had this ready. And they know that Wednesdays, they look ahead. Hey, people don't come on Wednesdays. We got bad attendance. They were down about 2,500 Wednesday below capacity, uh-huh. which Monday is why they rolled this out, the Wednesday plan. Nothing wrong with that. They knew coming in they were going to have trouble. Let's go to what with the tanking. Mike in Plainfield is back. Sorry, Mike. How you doing? Good, guys. Yeah, there's 100% uh, but what he said, if you listen to it, he is telling uh, them that he does not want to uh, lead off. Sure. why he could tell that? He says a sentence that the one sentence that stands by, he goes, sometimes you have to put your ego aside. And when he says that, there's no other way to take it than he does not want to bat lead off. But, so I'm hoping yes. I'm hoping they listen to this because I'm sure he'll play it and be happy, but obviously he'd much rather be more down in the lineup. But, right, Mike, but that's neither here nor there. To you, I ask this, Mike, but mentally, is he in it? See, of course he'll do it. We understand right. that. I agree with you there. Exactly. But last year... Mentally, you know what? I'm a power hitter now. I'm, how do I do it? Right. Am I supposed to? Ch- exactly. Do I change my approach at the plate? Does exactly. he? That's the 100%. question. There you 100%. go. One hundred percent. Hey, thanks. One hundred percent. Because even though he's doing his best deep down, he's saying to himself, "I should be clean up. I should be hitting runs." I don't care about yeah. that. I don't care about that. I don't know. He's got what that kind of. Is his approach at the plate? If it doesn't affect him, fine. Does it affect uh-huh. him where he's got a different mental thought up there? That's what right. we'll find out. But you're right. Good right. stuff. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. All right, buddy. Three three two three seven seven six. Going to take a break. Fred, when we return, and some leftover White Sox talk, and I want to talk for a moment of all. It's in fact, it's our current ten thirty uh, Twitter poll question. Mm-hmm. All right, it's a little different. Okay. It's a little different this one. Statement followed by A, B, or C. Vote now at ESPN one thousand. Tell you what, we'll be breaking here. Let me set this up, and then we'll have it when we return. Vote now. Quote. I don't want to see anyone fired, but I don't want to see anyone fired, comma, uh-huh. but A, B, C, vote. A, why say that? B, it's very compassionate to say that. C, just say fire them. Okay. Flash. It's Murph and Fred. Hey, Bears pregame, game time 3.30 and 15 minutes. 
J.D., Jeff Dickerson on the Bears beat. And I want to talk with J.D. and Fred about a specific play. The final play on offense for the Bears up 33-7 as the game was coming to an end. All that and more uh, back in a flash. ESPN 1000. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Lovely, lovely weather outside. Hope it is gorgeous. Out, out and about doing your last minute shopping. Fred, uh, Bulls music in the background. We spent most of the first hour, but if you're just joining us now, Bulls last night. Another victory, five in a row, 115 to 109 on the road in Milwaukee versus a above five. Hundred team stars of the game, Fred. Of course, uh, Bobby Portis off the bench, twenty-seven points. Starting uh, Miritich, he had twenty-two points. Nawaba off the bench. In fact, turning point in the game early, about five six minutes in, uh, double foul trouble early for starters Valentin and uh, starter Nico. Two fouls early off the bench come Nawaba. And uh, Bobby Portis and the Bulls uh, at the time down 16-6. Soon up ahead 33-26. And uh, a fun game to watch. And right now, why not be excited? 5-0, and Fred. Yeah, they're playing well. They're playing real well. And uh, the one thing is that Nico and Bobby Portis are coming in. And ever since they've started playing, they're playing really, really well. Chris Dunn is a point guard looking really good right now. Nawaba's back after being injured. Um, yesterday, their shooting was slow to, to take over. But then uh, they all kind of kicked it in. And uh, I thought it was an interesting comment online from Darnell Mayberry and uh, from The Athletic. He says, uh, Nico Meritich about why he's not hesitating on his shots anymore. Mm-hmm. Nico said, no, because you guys have been killing me the last couple of years. Like, pump fake, pump fake, Nico. So not anymore. Not doing it. And uh, you know what? Nico's playing better. Even he said the other day, he said, it's not even March and I'm playing better. <laughs> and uh, so he knows he's struggled over the years. And uh, he's playing well. Him and Bobby Portis chest bumping yesterday after a certain basket uh, after Nico goes up. So it's good to see. I, it's fun to to watch Bulls basketball right now. A week ago, Chicago was on an 0-20 streak. That's right. Last Friday, eight days ago, the Bulls were 0-10 streak. Blackhawks 0-5. The Bears 0-5. You can add that up. 0-20 for Chicago. Now, Chicago is 10-0 in the uh, last 10 games. Bulls 5-0, Blackhawks 4-0, and the beloved Bears. We'll visit with J.D. Jeff Dickerson in a few minutes. 1-0. And don't forget, Fred, did you say the uh, Bulls are 5-0 with Nico, right? Yep, 5-0 with Nico. (laughs) As Nico said, Nico's back. Yep. So we'll we'll wait and see how long that lasts. And last night, uh, they weren't just indiscriminately jacking up the threes. Much more no, as a matter of driving fact, into the paint. The last three or four games, they have not been shooting the threes. Actually, since, almost since Nico's come back, they've cut yeah. back on the threes. Amazing. And uh, they're winning games, which is interesting to me because one of the things that um, they were going to try to do is take more threes. And in their last several games, they've won those games by going inside more often to Robin Lopez and stuff. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but uh, we'll see if they get back to shooting more threes soon. And uh, off the bench, uh, David Nawaba. Fred, don't want to uh, pat you and me on the back too often. Uh, we were talking about this guy uh, the first couple games of the season. He's a hustle guy. He gets out there and he busts his tail and he, he sure hustles does. and gets up and down the court and plays defense. Changes and the whole tempo. You can, he, he rebounds. He can get out on the break. 
I think it was a really good pickup. It'd be nice to see him around here when this team actually does get good. Well, I love it. It's crazy, but uh, I'd like to see them win and you know, reel off about another 10 in a row. Oh, come on. We're if they're playing Cleveland. I understand. I said I'd like to see it. Mm-hmm. If we would have said a week ago they're going to run off five five in a row, it is said, okay, lock him up. He's out of his mind, Murph. Come on. Well, I just like, you know what, I'd like to see him keep winning. I'd like to hear what the, ain't all, all the tankers out there, you know? Yeah. Maybe I'm the one uh, never tanker, you know? But everybody wants, okay, what would happen if you just keep winning and win? You win three out of four, three out of four, two out of three, four out of five. You know what? How long are you going to, then you're going to strip it in February? Maybe you will. We'll find out. Uh, Fred, let's look at our end of uh, Big Bad Sean. Let's take a look at our Twitter poll. The question was not a question. It was a statement that you might uh, read here in media, uh-huh. sports media. Well, I don't want to see anybody get fired. However, A, B, or C, vote right now. Oh, why say that? B, that's very nice and compassionate to say that. C, just say fire them. That's what you're paid for. You know, Fred, if I've ever said it, I apologize. I don't think I've ever used the phrase in 25 years of uh, radio. Well, you know, I don't like to see anybody uh, get fired. But, uh, you know, Tom Treblehorn, uh, you know what? He's, he doesn't belong here. He should be gone. He, you know, he, I, I don't want him around. You know, fire him. Yeah. When did this thing start? Where everybody, everyone's got to be done. You know, it's it's not necessarily being politically correct. But you don't, don't want to. You don't want to ask for someone fired, else's job. You don't want. You don't want to ask for someone else's job. And well, you want. You're happy that everybody's out there, got a job, and they're working. Well, let me ask you this: Isn't that the responsibility of a uh, sports commentator, be it in print, online, on the radio? Isn't that part of the responsibility? Uh, that goes with the job to, to point out, you know what? This ain't working. He's got to go. This ain't working over here. He's, this manager's not working. His head coach's days are over. That general man. When did it start when, you know, uh, I don't really want to see anyone lose their job. Well, everybody wants but, to be uh, PC. They don't, they don't want to They don't want to be the ones that says uh, an individual should be uh, without, a, without a job. Well, that goes without saying, yeah. then, doesn't it? You would you have th- to say sure it? it does. Sure it does. Let's bring in Big Bad Sean. I don't know. Maybe I confused everybody with the wording here. Sean, did we get any responses at all on this one? Quote, I don't want to see anyone fired, but uh, why say it? It's compassionate. You know, that's, that's the way to do it. Or, or hey, just say fire them. Did I confuse people enough there, Sean? No, you got 4% of the people saying compassionate to say. Hmm. 10% saying why say it. Yeah, go. And 86% overwhelmingly say just say fire him. I love it. All right. More credit to all our great uh, listeners and fans out there. More credit than ever before. As always, smartest fans out there listening to ESPN 1000. I know it's Bears time. Bears at 3.30. Let's step aside and uh, have a nice leisurely visit with the one, the only J.D. Jeff Dickerson next on good old ESPN 1000. Four and three and two and one. one. Welcome back. Lots of people walking up and down State Street. And why did I wear all these heavy coats today, they're saying? Well, it's still it's still in the, it's still around 40, but yeah, it can uh, I don't picture you, you wearing them. a lot of coats today, Fred. 
Uh, I mine's relatively lighter. Okay. No hat today either. No need to. Indoors. Earlier this week, that wind and the, oh, oh man, yeah. it was yeah. awful. Indoors in Detroit, one minute away from Jeff Dickerson. Hey, vote right now if you wish. Uh, it is pin one thousand. Whose idea was it to take off the offensive handcuffs last week? A. Ryan Pace. B. John Fox. C. Don Loggins. Round up the usual suspects. Let's go now to our football guy, best in the business. Let's say hello to J.D. I call him Jeff Dickerson. I don't know him well enough to say, hey, J.D. <laughs> How are you, J.D.? <laughs> Mer Fred, I am wonderful, gentlemen. Great to be with you on this, uh, this rare Saturday game for the Bears. This is kind of cool. Only one of the two primetime games being played today in one of them uh, is in Detroit, so it should be a lot of fun. Hey, Jeff, I've uh, been kicking this uh, next segment, next segment, next segment. I was going to bring this up uh, with Fred. I have a feeling Fred's going to be opposite me, Oppo. So you get to be the uh, third vote, which is always fun uh, to break the tie. There was a play that hasn't had much uh, play. You know what? J.D. might not even have seen it. Oh, he might have been already running down to the locker room. That's right. The final Bears offensive play of the game. Last Sunday, they're up 33-7. Mm-hmm. The Bears have the ball deep in their own, somewhere middle territory, their own side of them. And it's fourth and four. And there's about 25, 30 seconds left. It's fourth and four. And I'm thinking, well, they'll take a knee or they'll do something. He, they hand off on sort of an off-tackle, turns into be a, almost a, a little sweep, an off-tackle, handoff to Cohen. Right. He bounces out left uh, a little bit more, and then he's sort of swarmed on. And, and he gets up, and only I'm saying this because no one said it, but I watched it. He gets up a little slow. His right hand goes quickly behind, touches his like lower back for just an instant, and gets up and... I'm sure everything's fine. I've heard nothing. But I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute now. Back back in, was it game two of the exhibition when they brought Trubisky back in after another quarterback? Remember, the fourth quarterback got hurt, and they bring yep, him back course. in. And that took a lot of heat. I think by this time, 33-7, no one was really paying that much attention to fans. and Or maybe, uh, like Fred said, the reporter, you're doing your thing. Why in that? Now, Fred, you go first. You're going to say, come on, Murph. I'm going to say, come on, Murph, it's football. I know. I mean, you know, (laughs) guys get hurt if if it's Uh a funky play and a guy gets hurt, fine. You're right. It was fourth and three with 47 seconds left. I'm sorry, with 27 seconds left at the Bengals 47. And if they knelt down, the ball would have went back to Cincinnati, but who cares? It's 33 to 7. 7. All right. You got a point. We need a a tiebreaker, Jeff. Well, I mean, I think Murph has a point. And, you know, we actually went up to Tariq Cohn in the locker room last week in Cincinnati and asked him about that play. So we certainly took notice whenever, you know, the most dangerous multi-purpose threat on the team looks like he might be a little banged up. Everyone went and talked to him. He said he was totally fine. There was nothing wrong there. But, no, I mean, yeah, I would, you know, I see both sides of this. Yes, it's football. You've got to run football plays. You're just trying to end the game. But... I would have also uh, not been too opposed if they would have taken a knee. That's one of those where you just you just hope that nothing bad happens, and I think they got lucky because they avoided it. But I see your point, Murph. I don't think you're crazy. Fred might think you're crazy, Murph. I don't think you're crazy. But just be assured, this was something that we did address with Tariq Cohen after the game immediately, 
and he did say he was okay. You know, JD, and I didn't know this, but I'm looking here at the uh, at the box score and uh, you know at the play by play, and. Cohen carried the ball on all four of those downs. Right end for five yards, uh, goes the other way for three, then a loss of a yard and a loss of three yards. Now I'm a little more aggravated because now it would put Cunningham in there. Right, your, that's a good point. Too. Right, yeah, I know. Put your I third know. string well, guy in. They do have, uh, I guess they're not used to using the victory formation very much in the John Fox era. So You're I right. They get a little confused from time to time. <laughs> Visiting with Jeff Dickerson talking Bears pregame. That's rare on a Saturday, 3.30 later today. Oh, by the way, uh, Jeff just said, Murph, you're not crazy. Fred, uh, J.D., at the company uh, holiday party the other day, uh, got to meet uh, Doug Ekman. Who's he? He's an advertising guy, been around town for a long time. There's a lot of the voiceovers here, you'll hear him. And his voice is, he might be bad, but he's not crazy. Maybe I can get him to do a cut of Murph's not crazy. <laughs> Thanks to JD. Uh, all right. Before we get into meat and potatoes, one more quickie here, uh, Jeff. Every show I try to do a segment real quick called, hey, I've got an idea. And my idea this week is... That's when Ryan Pace turns the radio off. <laughs> this is... Now, Jeff, <laughs> work with me, Jeff. I'm so tired of flags in the NFL on punt return and kick return. Stand of the week. If there's a John Dewan out there for the NFL, I got to guess about 50% of the time across the league, returning a kickoff, returning a punt, there's the flag. It's so anticlimactic. You're excited. Your guy pops it for 34. Always a flag. Let's go back to last week. Who carried the game? Was it CBS? Last week it was Fox, I think. No, was it? Okay. I'm sorry. We, we had uh, Sam Rosen. Yeah. And uh, here, let's go back to last week. Here's... Uh, and Brady Quinn. Brady Quinn. Cohen and uh, uh, Quinn, they're punting to Cohen uh, back around the eight-yard line. Uh, put the phone right up tight against your ear there, J.D. Devin Huber to punt. Tariq Cohen is back deep. Bears had a rush on, just missed. Cohen, fair catch at the eight-yard line. There's a flag on the play. During the kick, holding, return team, number 31, half the distance from the end of the kick. Stop the tape! Jeff, Fred, if this guy 31, Cooper Sr., every game he makes a bonehead play. It's a punt to the eight. Sure, he thought Cohen was, if, what if Cohen had popped that one for 92 yards and had brought that back to the minus, to the four yard line? He's making $6 million this year, Murph. Not to make you feel any worse than you already feel. <laughs> But he he was paid a lot of money to be a starting cornerback on this team, mm-hmm. and he has been buried uh. now that Kyle Fuller has kind of reemerged here this season. I'll take it a step further, Murph. I, I just don't think the Bears have been good on special teams at all under Jeff Rogers. I, I'm not surprised that they are consistently penalized. Um, I think they should be so much better than what they are. I don't think he's done a really good job, and I think in general they're they're bad on special teams. And that, you know, when you only win – what is it now, 13 games, I think, yep. this regime has won? Yep. When you only win 13 games in almost three years, every phase needs to get looked at. And special teams, for because the offense has been so unpredictable and they've had so many other issues, special teams has kind of gotten a little bit of a free pass. But they are uh, very penal- heavily penalized on special teams. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's another reason why they just can't get out of their own way. So, yeah, but yeah, Cooper uh, definitely mm. has had a very tough year, and it's 
it's kind of hard to see what kind of role he might have on this team next season, if any. Well, here's my idea, all right? You ready for this? Yeah. So many flex. Here's a new rule. On any punt return, the, re- the returning team, or any kick return, the returning team, if they are flagged, you know what? 25 yards. Now, don't laugh. Right now, it ruins the game. Every time there's a kick return, a punt return, and it goes maybe 15, 20, 30 yards, you know, oh, I hope there's no flag. Why not say, if you guys want to always always be illegally blocking in the back, like you were saying before, Fred, clipping, holding, whatever, march that ball back. Double it from 15 to 30. It sounds crazy. I understand. Oh, 25. They've got to find a way, the NFL. I, I, there's only one way, Jeff, and you know this. Every single time a guy has a, a penalty on a kickoff or a punt, you fine him. You take money out of his check. That's the only way it'll stop, Jeff, if you, <laughs> if you start threatening their cash. Yeah. You know what else has been kind of a new invoke yeah. thing for a lot of teams is guys that are running out of bounds mm. yep. and then coming back in and not establishing themselves to try to make the tackle. Oh, number 31, he did that two weeks yes, ago. Yes, he did. Yeah, that's been a problem, too. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, yeah. all for, all right. I'm all for cleaning the game up. Believe me. You know, J.D., there's been four times this year the Chicago Bears have rushed for more than 220 yards. They're, the rest of the teams in the NFL, all of them, they've, they've done it six times or seven times, I think, only once a team. But the Bears have won three of those games. The one they lost was when they played the Lions last time. Howard rushed for 125, Cohen for 44, Trubisky rushed for 53. Yeah. And last week, the Lions gave up 400 offensive yards to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If Don Loggins doesn't come out and run the ball north and south today, I'll be here tomorrow morning complaining about it. Then you should be. And yeah. You should be. And you know... If you think back to that game in Chicago, that should have been an overtime game. I mean, Mm -hmm. you mentioned Trubisky's rushing ability. Fred, remember he had that great, like, 19-yard scramble on fourth down to put them in field goal range, and Connor Barth misses the 46-yarder, and then he is promptly released after after that game. (laughs) So they played them really close in Chicago. I think this should be a good game today. I mean, Detroit has a lot more to play for with the seven wins. We talked about this yesterday, Fred, but... I think it absolutely should be a very close game, and I think the Bears have a shot to win. And the Lions' defense has not been very good. I mean, Tampa is a dumpster fire right now. They're going to probably lose their head coach and GM after the season. So for the Buccaneers, with all Jameis' problems too, to put up those types of numbers, I think that's very encouraging for the Bears today. So I agree. I think a a heavy dose of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohn is uh, what you're going to see this afternoon. You mean uh, that's thunder and lightning, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, with all due respect to the old... Huh? Uh, my favorite thunder and lightning yeah. was Kevin Jones and Lee Suggs at Virginia Tech. Remember that? That was a long time ago. Sure was. And, and they had the thunder, they had Brandon Jacobs mm-hmm. and uh, who was the lightning in uh, in New York. They had, they had those two backs that were pretty good. But, yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, Jordan Howard, say what you want. It's not glamorous. But he still puts up a lot of yards, and he needs about 300 more yards to break last season's mark of like 1,313, I think, or something like that. And he mm-hmm. was second in the NFL last year. So he's putting up big numbers again this season. Big Sean, who are you going to jump in with? No, the other member of the uh, Giants, Thunder and Lightning. That was Tiki Barber. Was it Tiki? Was it Tiki? Yep. That was still with Tiki, huh? Yep. Yeah. Hey, you know, you remember my favorite Thunder and Lightning, uh, J.D., when you were a little kid? It's Father and Lightning, oh yeah, I tell you it's Friday, 
JD remembers this. Shy Cold Train. That was my favorite Thunder and Lightning. Oh, we're going the Wayback Machine right now. I love it. Well, yeah. I, I am a Wayback Machine myself. <laughs> Just ask me. <laughs> Visiting with Jeff Dickerson, talking a little Bears, a pregame. All right, uh, Jeff, we want you to uh, this, help us decide uh, what to vote on here. We'll have uh, Big Sean ready for the poll results right now. Whose idea was it to take off the offensive handcuffs last week? Was it Ryan Pace, John Fox, or Dal Loggins? Uh, what do you fellas first think? What are the fans going to vote on this? Uh, Fred, uh, then JD. Fred, what do you think the fans voted? See, I don't think they had offensive handcuffs on, so I'm tough. To, it's a tough one for me to answer this. Um, so I'll say Dal Loggins. I'll say C. Mm, okay, J- JD. Yeah, I would have voted for Dal. Okay, Big Sean. What did the fans say? The fans say 19% of them say Dow Loggins, <laughs> 25% say John Fox, and then you have 56% that say Ryan Pace came down to the locker room and no. took the offensive handcuffs <laughs> off. J.D., your audience has spoken. Yeah. Oh, now now we're really confused about our listeners. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. They would love to take some more chances on offense, mm-hmm. but, you know, they got to be mindful of uh, the talent they have around the quarterback. You know, the fact they run the ball well, the head coach is ultra-conservative, and the reason that they threw a little more as the game wore on is because they had a big lead, and when you have a big lead, you can take a little more, uh, some more chances. If you remember the start of that game, it was check down city. Yeah. It was the same exact system you've seen for weeks upon weeks upon weeks. It's only when they started to put some distance between themselves and the Bengals that you saw Trubisky attempting more than you know, seven-yard passes downfield. So I, I just think that was all about the game, the flow, and whenever Watkins has a chance to be a little more aggressive, I think he's going to take it because that really is that really is his style. I mean, he would prefer to, to air it out more, but you got to only do what you got to work with. Hey, J.D., uh, I know Kendall Wright had more than 100 yards last week and 10 catches. And he said, early, I mean, we havenven't heard much from Kendall Wright, but I guess you have 10, a 10-catch, 100-yard game, and all of a sudden everybody wants to talk to you. And he said the Bears don't need more receivers. They just need more targets, Jeff. Yeah. He also said, I don't do media. Or like, you don't do media? <laughs> what? <laughs> Boy, that position's amazing, the people that play wide receiver. How, their perspective on life is very interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, with all due respect, and I did think the seven eleven quote was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they... I'm always open. Yeah. Yeah, they are. We're always open. <laughs> we're well, open, yeah. I I would beg to differ, and I think the offseason moves by the parents are going to make it wide receiver <laughs> are going to reflect that, too. Do you think, though, I mean, think about it. Do you think Kendall Wright and Dontrell Inman, I mean, uh, they, Inman would have to be signed again, right? He's not a two-year guy. Right, right. So, He's a one-year guy. Yeah, it was, and do you think those two guys could actually play a role? I mean, you go on out and you get a healthy Cam Meredith, and you, maybe these two guys, and maybe draft a guy and things like that. Do you think these two guys have a future after the year with the Bears? I mean, maybe. I think Kendall, I'm not sure if he's on a one-year deal, too. I'd have to look that up off the top of my head. I mean, they're they're fine, you know. That's not what you want for wide receivers, is it? That's not what you want. You don't want fine yeah. receivers. They're fine. I mean, you know, there's a three or four. Right? Those, yeah. guys are, those guys are okay. Yeah. Now, Fred, I don't know if, if Cam Meredith is what, what his status is going to be next year. You know, that's a big question mark. How he's going to come back from that injury because that was devastating. Yeah, now, I we've do seen know. him around the facility right. lately, though. He's in good spirits, which is great. But I don't know what kind of player he's going to be next year. So, yes, I think the Marcus Wheaton thing didn't work out. 
Um, my guess is they'll overpay for a wide out in free agency and also draft one to try to get this thing back on track. Jeff Dickerson, uh, your busiest day of the week, uh, game day on a Saturday. Nice to grab a few minutes of your time. Before we spring you, I know that up in the press box, you don't hear the uh, TV, uh, you know, call uh, that all the fans uh, sitting at home watch and hear. But there was a reference. Uh, I have a little quick soundbite here of a guy that, quite frankly, had not caught my eye very much. Uh, Bears defensive lineman Roy Robertson Harris. Mm -hmm. Now, let's uh, listen in. He's involved in a play. The uh, uh, Bears stuff uh, the Bengals back at the Bengals' own one-yard line. And a lot of praise. And uh, Brady Quinn uh, steps out even a little uh, farther than that. And uh, really says, here's a guy to watch. Uh, let's eavesdrop here. Colton under pressure. And he's able to get out of the end zone and avoid a safety. Good pressure by the Bears. Roy Robertson Harris getting a chance with some of the defensive injuries the Bears have. Talk about Robertson Harris. They're really excited about that young man. And he's got a ton of ability. I mean, 6'7", 300 pounds. The guy can move like an outside linebacker. Highlights Fox. Tell us a little more about him, please, J.D. Well, he's been hurt a lot this year. I don't know really how excited you're going to be. I mean, mm -hmm. he's undrafted. He's been around for a little bit. I mean, he's got some ability, no doubt. But you would have liked to have maybe seen that ability a little earlier in the year. Plus, he's had injury issues too so i mean he's a guy that you know whenever you sign a guy that's an undrafted free agent you got him under contract for many years and you're paying him no money so i'm mm. sure he'll be in the mix for some playing time last year but i don't really know right. if you can say see. that they're uh, you know over the moon for the guy is brady quinn seem to suggest see when you mentioned undrafted free agents two names come to mind tom waddle well actually three names tom waddle uh steve mcmichael and um, only because I worked with him a bunch, and he's a tight end for the Bears, Daniel Brown, undrafted free and what, agents. what round was Richard Dent? Well, Richard Dent was like a late, late, yeah. seventh or eighth round. Oh, I thought it was in the teens back in those days. But point is, he's six foot seven, 300 pounds. I like the size of that right there. So, Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a guy we watched in training camp and everything, but yeah. like, I don't know. All right. I, I, I don't know what I'm looking at the 2018 Chicago Bears. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Like, hey, you know, look out for for this, <laughs> it, this guy. Let's be I honest. How, what I, I don't know how Brady Quinn well, got. You know, I was going to say, let's was be he a honest. Neighbor or something let's or be what? honest. It was a blowout, and that's when the uh, Doug Cloudy guy for Fox handed him the three by five card, and he just read it. <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, Fred, you know, Mongo was a third round pick coming out of school, baby. Don't that's say, right. That's uh, right. Don't, don't say that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get. You're going to get some speaks next Ooh. time he sees you, brother. Yeah. Ooh, see, I should have yeah. stuck with just my two before I threw him in. <laughs> that's the University of Texas Hall of Famer yeah. right there. Hey, JD. Get to work. Quit messing around on the radio. Would you get to work, please? Guys, it was a pleasure. <laughs> Have a great rest of your show and enjoy the game. Thanks. Appreciate See you, JD. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. I didn't. Was JD at the holiday party? I was looking for nope. him. To, oh, okay, good. Nope. Not good there. to anyone. I thought I'd missed him. Uh, let's catch up on a few things. Oh, Fred, there, there's a sound. One more Bears note, okay? There's a sound bite uh, that I've uh, had here uh, all show, and this occurred and I always want to call it the Mike and Mike. Now it's a Wingo and Golick. Is that their... Uh, Golick and Wingo. Golick and Wingo. All right. I was uh, pretty close there. And they were uh, talking about and, and reading some uh, quotes uh, discussing early projections on the Bears, uh, well, all the NFL teams, 
you know, where they might fall in the draft and who they might uh, pick. Okay. Now, the Bears, right now, if it ended today, I think they're like the seventh pick or something, if I'm not mistaken. Eighth. Eighth, okay. Eighth pick, yeah. Okay. Uh, they're uh, reciting here uh, from a projection this week, I guess. A Todd national... McShay. Oh, okay. Todd McShay right. from ESPN. And I think he had him 10th. But uh, here, let's give this a quick listen. Todd McShay's uh, first draft is out. Again, to the Browns, number one, Sam Darnold. Giants, number two, Josh Rosen. Colts, number three, Bradley Chubb, the pass rusher from North Carolina State. 49ers, the, uh, the uh, defensive back from Alabama, Minka Fitzpatrick. And the Broncos taking Josh Allen, the quarterback out of Wyoming. Continuing on, he has the Browns taking Saquon Barkley, the running back out of wow. Penn State. Bucks, Tampa Bay taking uh, Cullen Farrell, a, the D lineman DN from Clemson. The Bears, Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver from Alabama. All right, there we go. Stop the tape. I've said it before, Fred. I'll say it again. I have nothing to base this on, but I have two sources, my left eye and my right eye, okay? Uh Uh-huh. I would never take a wide receiver. I know the Bears need a wide receiver. They need two or three wide receivers. I've just been burned too many times as a Bears fan over the years. You know what? They need defensive edge Rusher. Yep. They need a million other things. I know they need wide receivers. I'll take my wide receivers with my second and third and fourth or fifth, whatever you want. Uh, but you know, what do you think? I agree. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't take a wide receiver that high. If anything else, I would trade down and get more picks if someone wants Calvin Ridley. And he may be really good. Yeah. Okay. But I'm. You know, there's no way I'm spending my number one pick on that. I might be bad, but I'm not crazy. Don't worry about it because Bears are going to win more games and they're going to pick lower than eighth. So they'll be gone by then. We need more ping pong balls. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred here till noon. Uh, you know what? The yellow pads bursting. We'll spread all fields and we return, continuing to talk bears and much, much more. It is ESPN 1000. How you doing, everybody? Home stretch. Last of, we had about 30 pounds to shove into the five-pound bag. Fred, we've only shoved about 15 pounds in. Can we do the rest in the last 30 minutes? And we can do a bunch. You got anything to shove in, though, right I actually now? do. I just yeah. lost it here. But there's, a, okay. uh, there's word from uh, Detroit, Ian Rappaport, reporting that uh, it looks like Adam Shaheen listed as questionable for the Lions, not expected to play today. Jeez, chest. So they go in a little short. Chest? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So they'll go in short. That means, Daniel, that means Daniel Brown and uh, Deion Sims would probably play almost every snap. He has his first big game, yep. and then he's out. Well, four catches. Well, I mean, for him, I his biggest, biggest game of his career, let's rephrase it. Yeah. Unbelievable. He's got three touchdowns already, I think. That's yeah. more than a lot of the tight ends, uh, rookie tight ends around the league. Oh, man. So, yeah, good chance Adam Shaheen will not be playing. It'll become official later. They have their uh, inactives about an hour before, mm-hmm. hour and 15 minutes before the game. Let's take a look at our final uh, Twitter poll question uh, for today. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, all right. Which of these three will have the best results? All right. Which will have the best results? A, the Chris Sale trade. Mm-hmm. B, the Jimmy Butler trade, mm-hmm. or the Bears 2017 draft. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Which of these three 
will have the, uh, you know, the best results long term or however you define the best results. The Chris Sale trade, the Jimmy Butler trade or the Bears draft of 2017. Well, let's see. We've done a lot of Bulls talk today. We had a full hour of baseball. Plenty of uh, a Bears talk. Anything else? We haven't talked Blackhawks. They're four. They've won yeah. their last four. Yes, a lot of a lot of guys uh, that don't usually score scoring goals. Wingles, Hinnestroza came back up and scored. Schmaltz with a goal and an unbelievable assist mm-hmm. on a Kane goal the other day in a five-one win at Winnipeg, which is a uh, Winnipeg one of the top teams right now going. And uh, it was nice to see the Blackhawks get a win. Well, I got a bunch of questions here, Fred. A bunch of questions for you. So. In fact, we got about 67 or 68 questions for you, Fred. Here's I mean, a random. Number seven, question number 17, all right, for Fred okay. Hubner. I agree with you, as you have often said, almost always say in uh, the NFL on a kickoff into the end zone. Don't bring it out. Unless right. maybe special circumstances, uh, it's a final play of the game, you need a touchdown to get back in. But in general, 99% of the time, you're right. Just uh, sit there. Don't take Don't take it out. They're giving you the 25-yard line, right? And then maybe if you know you're not taking it out, then maybe your guys won't hold and uh, block in the back. <laughs> yeah. So the question is, question 17, why don't teams, or maybe they're trying to, work with their kickoff guys, their kicker, to try to sort of pooch the ball, if that's the right word, down to the one or two yard line, so they have to return it, and then you'll most of the time stop them before they get to the twenty five. Instead of just booming it right. five yards deep and giving them automatically the twenty five yard line. Yeah, well, they do. There's one team that does it. No surprise, the Patriots. They have their guy pooch it, and then uh, he has to return it, and uh, usually they stop him before the twenty. Uh, so they, they're making up yards instead of kicking the ball into the end zone. But, yeah, more mm-hmm. teams should try that. It's one of the uh, things that they can uh, get around given, uh, given the other team a, t- a start at the 25. Question number 66 out of a possible 67 or 68. Kyle Fuller and Nico Meritich, all right? They're both on their walk-away year. Okay. The last year of their deal, uh, they'd be a free agent, both of them, at the end of the season. They've both had some tough goes of it. Uh-huh. All right. Fuller and Miritich. Now, they're both pretty much playing either lights out or at the career peak in Chicago. Fuller's been terrific most of the time. Nico's been on fire, uh, you know, since he's been... And it's eight, not even March. Since he's been starting. Yep, 5-0 and oh, the Bulls are. So... Does it ever worry you to when you sign a guy, be it your own guy that's a, a walkaway year or a free agent, does it ever worry you that his best year was the year that he was, uh, 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 they used to call it the salary drive. Yep. Oh, man, I got to play lights out this year. I got to really kick it big time this year. I got to get a new contract from somebody. Or are they actually proof? Improving, playing better, getting into their little niche, their role, and uh, Fuller and Nico. Well, how do you look at these two guys? I think they're playing for their lives right now, and uh, that's one of the reasons. But I think one of the problems is, one of the drawbacks is long-term deals. In the NFL, you don't really have many long-term deals, so you have to play very, very hard for your next contract. 
And, uh, you know, if they don't like you, they can get rid of you after one season. Hmm. So I don't always believe it. At baseball is, you know, nobody nobody goes to the plate trying to make it out. Nobody throws from the mound trying to give up a hit. But it reminds me of Ryan Dempster back in the day when they took him from the bullpen into a starting role. And Ryan Dempster uh, made sure he told everybody, I'm in the best shape of my life. And my question was, well, why in God's name were you not in that shape every year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's your only job. Your only job as an athlete is to be in the best shape you can possibly be in. Mm-hmm. And anytime I hear someone say after three or four or five or six years, I'm in the best shape of my career, something's seriously wrong with that individual. So, um, yeah, I don't necessarily believe in it. Uh, it is kind of uh, interesting that it happens quite often. Question number 26. Cubs sign uh, starting pitcher a chat with uh, Trav. I can't even Tyler. Tyler, thank you, Fred. Chatwood. They signed Chatwood, uh, and there was a little bit of a starting pitcher, free agent, three-year deal, and there was a little bit of a kerfuffle, which is a word I've never used before, and no. hopefully never will use. I it know yet. I've never used. No, it. No, no, it's a stupid word. There was a, a little bit of a uh, mix-up in the wordage. Of the contract, got no, not of, really a mix-up. They were trying a, to get something. Uh, yeah, yeah, they were trying to get something by everybody, and they did for a little while. Which Theo had done, it turns out, in back around what 07 with uh, Chris with the uh, Kurt Schilling. Okay, they discovered uh, what the agreement was, which was then uh, kiboshed. Yes, by uh, both MLB and the union, and well, the writers like, got upset about it. The, writers, the Baseball Writers oh, yeah, yeah. Association got real upset about it because they were involved. Yes, possible conflict of interest. If you missed it, uh, the uh, language uh, was that if uh, Chetwood received even one vote for Cy Young at the uh, award at the end of the year. He would uh, be awarded a, a bonus. Right. Whatever the, I don't know if it was $1, $1 million, whatever is irrelevant. He was going to receive extra dough. And uh, you're right, Fred. Thank you. The writers who vote for Cy Young, and everybody started thinking, well, wait a minute. Let's say he was going to get a, a million dollar bonus right. if he got uh, a Cy Young yeah. vote. All right. All he's got to do is go to a writer. And go to a Jesse Rogers. And- no, 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 no. Jesse, he's, he's ethical. For half a million, I would do I think Jesse <laughs> would do it. And I know I would, too. So he said, hey, look, just vote for me for Cy Young. Uh, you usually vote one through five or whatever, whatever the mechanics are. And put my name down. And, uh, you know, two years from now, I'll split it with the end of the table. No one will even know the difference. Uh-huh. 500 grand if it's a million, whatever. Yeah. Well, it became pretty obvious that. That's not really what you want to do. No. Is uh, show any sign of conflict of interest, much less even doing it. You know what I would love to see happen this year then? Yeah. I would love to see him get one vote for the Cy Young. <laughs> That'd be even funnier. That it? would be. Wait a minute. I could have had a million dollars. I would vote for him right now right? for Cy Young. How he would get my vote. If I'm going one through five, you would get the fifth vote. Well... How for come, Cy Young Award winner. How come it's not constructed uh, thusly? Why wouldn't, as a GM and, a, and the, the agent says, hey, you know what, uh, give us a little, uh, wet my bill, you know, as uh, Dan Jiggett uh, used to say. Beak. Wet oh, my yeah, beak. Yeah. yeah. Don't send me a bill. No, no, no. Jiggett <laughs> doesn't want any bills. Wet my bill beak. <laughs> right. Jiggett's paid all his bills over I, the years. Bill beak with it here on the big uh, 1,000. Why not this, Fred? Why not war? W-A-R. What's it good for? Oh. Wins, well, for this. Yeah. <laughs> Wins above replacement. Uh-huh. Why wouldn't the deal be, and you can't manipulate war. No. It's 
computerized numbers. numbers just punched in, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't they say to Chapman, uh, you look last year, how many guys received at least one vote? Chad Wood, you don't want Chapman yeah. back. <laughs> not right now. No, not for that kind of money. No, they burned his, uh, burned his arm. Uh-huh. So, uh, as maybe they did with Wade Davis, we'll find out. And so, you say, all right, look, last year there were... Uh, 14 pitchers got at least one vote for Cy Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a pick the number, 17, 18, 10, who knows? There was 14 pitchers last year I got at least one vote for Cy Young, Mr. Chetwood. Here's what we're going to do. If you're in the top 14 in war, wins above replacement, value of a pitcher, and it's you know, just done statistically... Then you, then you get your bonus. Yeah. Why would that be? Well, there's any- a lot of numbers. The e can get ERA plus maybe. Or oh, yeah. to one of those other analytical numbers. Well, right. Whip. Yeah. Whatever you wanted to do. FIP. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. All of them. Yeah. Fielding independent pitching. But yeah. Warren's basically the one that just distills it down. Right. And uh, so would you have any? Uh, uh, no. Why don't they do that? Not at all. As long as it's a statistical thing, uh, go mm-hmm. right ahead. Not a all problem. Right. All right. Uh, here's question numbers. 60. Uh, oh, I like this one. There were rumors earlier in the week that the Boston Red Sox, uh, you know, well, that, they, they wanted to add some power. Mm-hmm. And there were names being bantied about and, and this and that. And uh, two names that uh, came to my mind uh, for the Boston Red Sox were Jose Abreu yep. and Kyle Schwarber. Mm-hmm. So just, uh, you know, two guys talking, you and me. Which player, say you're the Boston Red Sox GM, yeah, and uh, you could get your hands on Jose Abreu, you could get your hands on, on Kyle Schwarber, and what you had to give up to the Cubs or to the Sox in the talks back and forth was equally the same type of uh, talent, you mm-hmm. know. They both wanted uh, this double-A guy and this, uh, uh, you know, uh, pad-out-the-roster guy. And, uh, right. Now, if you were the Red Sox, all things being equal on your uh, return, which guy would you think you'd go for? I'd go with Abreu. Mm-hmm. Now, See, he's a little older. Okay. Yeah. He's a little older, but he's consistent. 100 RBIs, 25 homers each of the first four years he's played in the league. So okay. First base DH. Mm-hmm. First base DH plays a couple positions. The Green Monster. Yep. 315. So they say feet away. High fly balls go out of mm-hmm. the ballpark. On the Yawkey How come they still say the 315-foot marker and the green monster is... Some people, you know, it's, it's shorter than that. It's shorter. Yeah, I don't know. Well, all you got to do is GPS it down. Boom, boom. Right, right. You'd find out it, you know, it could be done in an instant. Sure. Well, see, I think they'd take Schwarber. Uh-huh. Here's my thoughts. Younger. That's true. Yeah. More control, which is a phrase I'm already very tired of. Right. But how about this? If left field, the green monster wall is only 315, some say less, wouldn't that allow you, as the Red Sox manager, when you're making out your lineups every day, to say, you know what, I'm going to give my left fielder rest. I'll put Schwarber out there uh, this uh, game. 315 or, or fewer feet out there, wouldn't that make him less vulnerable to being uh, exposed uh, for the bad left fielder he is. You're, you're so lucky that our good, good friend um, passed away, Jimmy Pearsall, because he would be, right now, he's turning <laughs> in his grave. That you're saying you can, that anybody can, basically you're saying anybody can play left field at Fenway Park. I just said that. Yeah. Right. So right now, 
Um, well, I think Ted Williams and Kyle Yastrzemski can prove that anybody can if you can hit. It, well, yeah, if you can hit. And right. The ball that comes off the wall, I mean, there's there's a science to yeah. getting the ball off the wall, but you do have less area to run in. Um, the left center is kind of deep there, depending mm-hmm. on who you, but they have, oh, yeah. they have good, they have good outfielders yeah. right now. Schwarber's got a rocket for an arm. Yeah, but don't they have Ben Intendi out in the left right now? Well, maybe once, so, you know, so you DH Schwarber. Right. 90, but if ever, you know, yeah, he's nicked up out there. We just, he's played, uh, started 18 games straight. We got to give him a couple of days off in left field. I think that a guy like Schwarber would be very interesting. Well, the only question is, I mean, are you ready to compete? Are you ready to compete with the Yankees right now? And I think the Red Sox play every year like that. Oh, yeah. Right. So I, that that's one other reason I think Abreu, just because, you know, you have less of a... I don't know more wig, more wiggle room, less yeah, wiggle room. I right. mean, I mean because he's he's like I said, he's done it. Even if he struggles a little bit, you know, at the end of the year he's going to be twenty five and a hundred. Now a lot of people say that Schwarber's natural path swing swing path rather is oppo. So you know he might just tattoo that wall out. It's good talk. It's he could bounce it off the wall quite a bit, like big big Poppy used to do that. He bounced it off the wall quite often. And normally then he'd hold with a long single, but the svelte. Schwarber. Yeah. Lost 20 pounds. Maybe he'd be able to run around. Fun to talk about. Go to ESPNChicago.com. Jesse has some video with uh, Kyle Schwarber yeah. and an interview and Very all good. kinds of stuff with him. Very good stuff. Hey, back in a flash, uh, your last chance vote right now. We'll have the results. Uh, which, uh, which of these uh, moves will bear out to be the uh, best when it's all said and done? In other words, uh, which will have the best results? A, B, or C, the Chris Sale trade, Jimmy Butler trade. That was his best results for the Chicago teams. For your team. Right. Yeah, I'm okay. sorry, not the other team. No. 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 Let's, not, let's hope none of the other teams exactly. or the other draftees are. I don't uh, want the Red Sox to win with Chris Sale on the hill in the World Series. Back in a flash vote now. It is. What was the third one? Uh, I'm sorry, the Bears 2017 draft. Okay. So a few years from now, which one's going to prove to be the best of those three moves? Vote now at ESPN 1000. I know we're late. I know. Final couple minutes. Glad you're with us. Thanks for being here. Sunny downtown. This might be good news for Cub fans. It mm. appears that you don't have to worry about CC Sabathia going back and pitching for Milwaukee. Mm. The uh, reports have it that uh, the Yankees have agreed to a one-year deal to keep CC in the Yankee uniform and pinstripes. Yeah, because pinstripes always make you look a little thinner. That's why um, they uh, invented them for the That's exactly why they invented them. Uh, CC Sabathia, $10 million one year. A deal is pending a physical, and that should be interesting. Hey, if Schwarbs loses enough weight, the Cubs can take the pinstripes off. They could. <laughs> There's the, no need for them with, uh, with the, what they've got. For the svelte. Kyle Schwarber. Uh, great job today, Big Bad Sean. Uh, what are our results, uh, Mr. Davis, for the... 1130 Twitter poll, which will go down as the best uh, uh, deal, the best uh, moves. Will it be A, B, or C? A few years from now, the Chris Sale trade, where the White Sox get the uh, uh, the young stars of the future. The Jimmy Butler trade, where the Bulls get the young stars of the future. Or the Bears, 2017 draft, where the Bears get the young stars of the future. Can't believe Shaheen. Shaheen is out with the chest. Uh, Likely to be out, yeah. Likely, yeah. yeah. Uh, Fred, I-, I don't know how this is going to go. 
I would think right now be the Jimmy Butler trade is going to win this, but I think it's going to be close, close on all three. Yeah, I think it could be the Chris Sale deal, getting right. what the the White Sox got from Boston. So yeah. with Moncada and Kopech, that's pretty okay. good. Uh, Big Bad Sean. Bringing up the rear, 25% of voters say that Jimmy Butler trade will bring back will have the best results. Uh-huh. Then you have 33% to say the Bears 2017 draft will have the best results. And leading the pack, 42% of voters say the Chris Sale trade mm. will have the best results. Good. It's good uh, evenly distributed voting. Uh, very good. Yeah, not, a, not 100% sure that, uh, yeah. you know, we don't know if Moncada is going to be the player they think he's going to be and not sure if Kopech can make it to the big leagues without an arm injury. But, uh, you know, you got to <laughs> take some chances, and that's what uh, Rakan did. Uh, so this uh, week, I was at the local... Hardware store, okay? Uh-huh. Mom and pop, but uh, a chain, but you know, not a big box. You know? Right. So I said, been going there for 20, 30 years. And uh, I had to pick up some bird seed. Okay. All right. Mom likes the bird seed. Yeah, I used to buy bird seed until all the birds would eat it. Then you said, why am I feeding them? They've been here for two million years. They'll that, be fine. Yeah, then I realized that I'd have to do it all the time and it would be, I said, this is stupid. So I stopped feeding them. Put some water. So they out. went to someone else's yard. Put some water out for the birds. Uh-huh. They've been around for millions of years. They'll find water. They can find water. But makes it easier. They're yeah. getting lazy. These mm-hmm. birds. So <clears throat> I had the coupon that uh, is for mom. And the hardware store had the coupon. Spend twenty dollars, <clears throat> get five dollars off. Okay, well, that's not bad, right? So the bird, the bag of bird seed. Those are the ones we always get. You know, yeah. we had the I had the coupon. Twenty pound bag of, off the top at nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Uh-huh. Great. Pick up two nope. of them, put them in the little cart, come to the front, nope. give her the coupon. She goes, uh, that'll be uh twenty one dollars and five cents. Nope. I yep. go, well, wait a minute, I got uh, twenty dollars, uh five dollars off. She goes, Your bill only came to nineteen dollars and ninety eight cents. That's right. Nine ninety nine each. Yep. Not sale price, regular they price. They don't count the insurance. I said, well, the, tell uh, you what. I said, I'll, I'll give you two more cents. That'll be, I'll have spent $20, and then now it's 15 because I got to spend right. 20 Good. She goes, oh, I can't do that, sir. Yeah. No, it's the computer and the register. I go, okay. So I'm walking around the hardware store trying to find. Didn't they have a candy bar at the counter or something? You yeah. could have got a candy bar. $1.25. Well, I only needed two cents. Yeah, well, there's nothing there that's two cents. Oh, yes, there is oh. at a hardware store. Ah, a screw or a nail. Oh, car of the show. There you go. So I, I've had to go before. Here, <laughs> here I'll, I'll buy. I'll buy five screws. Right. Ten cents. Well, <laughs> I must be in a high rent area. I never knew that because I ain't. Yeah. And uh, so I find a, a screws and the washers in this thing with all little cabinets. You yeah. pull them out. Yeah. Yep. So I took out a seven cent screw. A little plastic bag at the honor system. Put the screw in, the little charts up there. Seven Tells cents. You how much, yeah. Seven cents. I get there. So the bill is uh, $20.05. I get the $5 off. I pay the bill. You throw the screw away. No, no. Somebody runs over it. They get a flat tire. They got to go have their tire <laughs> repaired. I handed it back to the girl. Okay. And she's like, what's this? I said, here, I don't want it. You don't want the screw? Why'd you buy it? I said, long story. Figure it out on your own. Oh my God! You no, know, I got some. I, I got a birthday. We never do birthdays yeah. here. Right. This is a birthday you might like. Happy birthday! Happy seventy-sixth birthday to Adolfo Phillips. Oh, my favorite Cubs center fielder. 
I was taking Spanish at Lions Township High School. You got to pick your own name. Everybody was like Roberto with you. Or so Robert. you were Adolfo? Well, Adolfo said, Murphy? She said, you're Miguel. I go, no, no, ain't it? I'm Adolfo. There you go. Yeah. So for two years, I was Adolfo. Adolfo Murphy. <laughs> Want to thank all our guests. Great job. And thank you, Arthur Rikers, Pro Football Weekly. Our own J.D. Jeff Dickerson with Bears pregame show. And I'll be back tomorrow as we'll break down the Bears game and get you ready for week 15, the Sunday in the NFL. Thanks to Sean Davis for all of his help. He'll be back with me tomorrow. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody. Go Bears!